and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we're going to be heading over to the Moon Tower for a party. We're going to be heading over to the Emporium to play some pool. And then also, we're going to be heading down to Houston to go get Aerosmith tickets. All right? On today's episode, we're going to be covering 1993's Dazed and Confused. Now, you know, I can't do this all by myself and alone, so I brought a guest with me. Uh, you've heard this guest on my previous episode from Cruel Intentions. Uh, she is a wife, a dog mom. Um, she's a lover of movies. She's my sister. Please welcome Sarah Heidelberg. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm good. That's good. It's all good. We have our dog here, or her dog, really. And she's going to be a good girl, I hope. But, yeah, anyway... We're going to talk about this movie and, you know, talk about how wonderful it is. Um, So we just watched it, respectively, like yesterday, right? Yeah. So, you know, as we normally do on the show, we'll talk about, you know, our history with the film, talk about some fun facts, production history, things like that, and then we'll go into a plot summary. Now, Sarah, if I may ask, what is your history with Days of Confused? Um, If you didn't already listen to our Cruel Intentions episode, we went on a whole tangent about about Days of Confused. But, you know, what what is your history with it, if you can remember? Like, when do you remember seeing it first? Um, And just what is your connection with this movie, I guess? I don't remember the first time I watched it exactly. I want to say I was a teenager. Yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe 13, 14, I want to say, if I had to guess. Yeah. I don't have a distinct memory the first time I watched it, but I know I've watched it a lot. Is this in your collection downstairs? It is my co- it is in my collection of I movies. I'd say I'm, I was a teenager. Yeah. And I think it's a good time to watch it when you're a teenager, because you're like, a little young, because it's a high school movie, yes. but like you can still appreciate it. Um, and it's just such an easy movie to go back to and watch, because you just know what's going to happen, but the music's good. Mm-hmm. It's just a fun movie to watch. Yeah. I think you said it to me earlier, but you were saying that this is a movie where you can kind of turn your brain off a little bit. Yeah. Which I appreciate, and I love those kinds of movies. You don't have to think about it. You just watch it, and it's just a fun movie to just kind of sit back and It's a comfort, I think, for some people. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like, Clueless is that for me at some point. Like, I could just put Clueless in the background. And I'm just like... I, I have, like, several comfort movies like that. <laughs> yeah, where you can just put it on. You don't have to think a whole lot about it. I think I even said, too, like, Jawbreaker's a little bit like that for me. And Romy and Michelle. Because you can't think about it too much. It's like that for me. You can't think about it too much. Because if you think too much about it, you're going to be like, oh, my God, this movie's not good. But then, you're like... And with Romy and Michelle, it's always good. But, like, you do have to turn your brain off a little bit being like, how the hell can they afford this little apartment on her salary and then never be unemployed? What the yeah, hell? Exactly. But anyway, so yeah, my history with Days Confused, I probably watched it because you had it, probably, to be honest. And I'm, I agree with you wholeheartedly that like this film is one that I will always say, not that they would show it in schools or whatever, but I absolutely think <laughs> this is a movie where I'm like, you should show this on the last day of school. You should. For, like, seniors. Yes. Like, it's just one of those or things. Or whatever day their last day is. Yeah. Are spe- you know, they're special. Ones. It's one of those things where I'm just they like. They don't actually have their last day of school in a sense. Like, right. Like all the other people. Like, they have whatever they graduate. Like, you early. show this, like, right before they graduate or whatever. It's just Unless a things fun. were like that back in the day. I don't know. I know. Well. I know when I graduated, it was like, we were, we were out, like, at the beginning of May. Or, I'm sorry, not the beginning of May. I wish. Um. 
I think I graduated like the thirty first of May. Right, and but then, then like everybody else was in school to like the fifteenth. Yeah, that was like me. I think I graduated on June first. So like so. freshman, but things were different because I don't know if you know, but I think I've asked mom this because our mom grew up in the seventies. She was she a did. teenager in the seventies. She um. So she's actually like a kind of a fun person to like ask about this because it's like you know is this an accurate portrayal of like how you actually like were things really like this like, and I they, have her findings did from they, that did they pinpoint that to get you try to get back on track um, so I did talk to her yesterday because she did watch it yesterday on Tubi where it is streaming right now that's where I was but uh, <laughs> I have a Blu-ray of this with Fast, Fast Times at Ridgemont High which we might talk about that oh, a little bit oh are they together bit. yeah there's oh, cool. a double feature with both of them in it we'll, we'll talk about it but anyway so. It's great. So with this movie, though, um, so our mother, uh, I asked for her findings about how accurate it was. So she said that the muscle cars were accurate. Uh, definitely. Like what? Like, um, like um, oh God, what was this guy, that guy's name? Pickford? Uh, Pickford has his, and then Wooderson has his. The, the orange car. Yeah, like, because, like, our mom's, like, one of her first boyfriends, I think, had a muscle car like that yeah, or whatever. Yeah, so that was accurate. I thought it was hilarious when she said that. Uh, the having to zip your pants up while lying down was accurate because she said she uh, did she's that, told me that before yeah which is just like really funny and then she also said just like um, you know party in the woods that was kind of an option too yeah. which to be honest I mean not that I did that really or anything we're boring y'all but anyway uh, I uh, but that is something because we 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 grew up in um a particular part of Maryland where um, it's both suburban and then there's also rural areas as well. Um, and I definitely heard of people going out into the middle of a field in the more rural parts and yeah. just like drinking and getting drunk. Do you know what I mean? So like more so we saw that with like people just going to their parents' house or like whatever and they just do that when you're underage. But it's just one of those movies, like I said, I mean, it's something where you gotta watch it when you're a kid, when you're a kid, like a teenager, because you're just like, oh my god, it's like so. But then you're watching these twenty somethings being teenagers, which yeah. is just like really silly. But yeah, no, it's just one of those films, and I probably watched it from you, honestly. And uh, but I'm so glad I did. But anyway, without further ado, though, you know, we already got a little bit of that. But let's move into some of these figures of this movie. So, Days of Confused was released September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety three. I was but a babe in that. And you it was, were a babe. I was a babe. And um, this was written by Richard Linklater and directed by him. I was a toddler, him. babe. You toddler, babe. And then directed by Richard Linklater. It was also produced by him. Sean Daniel and James Jack. We'll get into them. We'll also say the budget was about $6.9 million or so. And it had a box office of about $8 million. We're looking at Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, we're looking at 92% on the tomato meter and a 90% audience score. So that's good. Uh, we're looking at a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb and a letterbox score of 3.9 out of 5. So I got some critical response, like poll quotes from people who have reviewed this movie. So we got Malcolm Johnson from the Hartford Courant, who says, Watching this documentary style picture is like being clean and sober at some endless 70s party where everyone else is drunk or stoned. We then have Bruce Bennett from Spectrum in St. George, Utah, who states, has the look and spirit of the time down pat. Unfortunately, it captures only the worst of the typical misogynistic, foul-mouthed, druggy losers of the period. And then we have Kevin Carr from 7M Pictures, who states, glorifies bullying and tries to balance it with pseudo-intellectual contemplation. So people have their, their claws out. 
For our cast of characters, we have Jason London as Randall, quote, Pink Floyd. We have Joey Lauren Adams as Simone Kerr, or Carr. Mila Jovovich as Michelle Burroughs. Sean Andrews as Kevin Pickford. Rory Cochran as Ron Slater. He goes by Slater. Adam Goldberg as Mike Newhouse. Anthony Rapp as Tony Olson. Sasha Jensen as Don Dawson, but he's normally known by Don. Marissa Rabisi as Cynthia Dunn. Dina Martin as Siobhan Wright. Michelle Burke as Jody Kramer. Cole Hauser as Benny O'Donnell. Christine Harnos as Kay Faulkner, which is one of Jody's friends, I believe. Wiley Wiggins as Mitch Kramer, little brother of Jody. Mark Vandermulen as Tommy Houston, who's one of Mitch's friends. Esteban Powell as Carl Burnett. Jeremy Fox as Hirschfelder. Ben Affleck as Fred O'Banion, but he goes by O'Banion. I did not know that was his first name in the movie. I know, right? Although I may have looked that up. (laughs) Jason O. Smith as Melvin Spivey. Kristen Hinoyasa as Sabrina Davis. So it looks like Christine, but it's Kristen, I believe. Parker Posey as Darla Marks. Matthew McConaughey as David Wooderson, but he goes by Wooderson. Catherine Averill Morris, or I think she goes by Catherine Morris, as Julie Sims. Nikki Cat as Clint Bruno. And an uncredited appearance by Renee Zellweger as a character by the name of Nessie White. So... I like how they gave her name as an uncredited Literally. And we'll get into it. Miss Bridget Jones. Miss Bridget Jones. Miss that girl from Texas Chainsaw... Uh, whatever. It's a whole thing. But anyway, so... A little bit about this uh, film. So before we move into any sort of plot summary or anything, this film was pretty much brought about because... So according to when he was asked in an interview what he wanted to do after his first movie. So Richard Linklater had done a movie called Slacker, which was in the early 90s. And it got some like attention in the indie movie circle, right? So when he was asked what he wanted to do after Slacker, he said that, um, I wanted to make this teenage rock and roll spree. I knew I wanted the story to take place on one day in the spring of 1976, but at one point it was much more experimental. The whole movie took place in a car with the characters driving around and listening to ZZ Top. Lee Daniel, the director of photography, uh, described the concept as it would have been two shots. One of a guy putting in an 8-track of ZZ Top's Fandango, and one of two guys driving around talking. Um, And the film would actually be the same length as the album, and you would hear each track in the background as a source. Eventually, Linklater decided to write a script to, quote, represent different points of view. Uh, The first draft of which took about a month to complete... And so Universal Studios then fast-tracked production on this Linklater script, jumping ahead about 30 different films that were in production or in development at the time. Um, and actually, there's a fun little documentary. I think it's on, because this movie's in the Criterion Collection now. It's been in there for a couple years. But I think there's one on YouTube. It's called Making Days or something like that. And we both have watched it. Um, and from my understanding, this, uh, you know, Richard Linklater, he made this movie and... He got some notoriety from it a little bit. And really, what this was brought up as was making an American Graffiti for the 70s. Now, I have seen American Graffiti. I don't think you have, right? No. So pretty much, if you don't know what American Graffiti is, it is George Lucas's first like uh, directorial thing before Star Wars. It's pretty much the day in the life of these seniors 
who are in the 60s and they drive around and it's very much a California movie. I think it's set over there and, you know, shout out to my California listeners. But um, anyway, but that film is following. It's very much about like the 60s cars and just like what it was like kind of being a teen in the 60s, even though most of these people were not teenagers. But anyway, so that was how this came to be pretty much was that they wanted to do American graffiti for the 70s. And so they ended up Richard Linklater. He had set himself apart, I guess. And they were like, we want you to do this movie. They got in these two producers, Sean Daniel and James Jacks. And they put this movie into production, pretty much. What I will say, though, is according to this particular documentary, it seemed like the actors, for the most part, got along, and we'll we'll get to that. But it appears that Richard Linklater and James Jack didn't always get along very well. Mm. Would you agree from watching that? Yeah. Yeah, they didn't they didn't get along very well. Um, it was very much just like a Richard Linklater had never done anything like this before. This is his first like studio movie. I think the other movie he made was like maybe twenty five thousand dollars. It was low budge. Very low. Larry Lowbudge. So I mean, here you are having this like six million dollar budget for a studio and you're wanting to like have this loose kind of movie and deviate from what the script is and you know, have all that, which is great. And I think that's why people really liked being in it and they liked being a part of it. But that also is really crazy for like a producer to be like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like shooting stuff that's not even in your script. Uh, So yeah, him and James Jack didn't exactly, uh, he talks about, James Jack talks about how he had a point where he had punched a telephone pole or something because he was just so pissed Mm -hmm. about this. And he says in the documentary, he says he punched it and he called Sean Daniel, the other producer, and be like, oh, like I split open my knuckle or whatever, like it hurts or whatever. And then I think Sean Daniels just said something about, like, it's better than hitting Richard, okay? It's better than hitting Rick. So so that just goes to show that, like, you know, it wasn't always the easiest, but it ended up making a pretty good product, I think. But it wasn't always the best. But anyway, all right, cool. So he got the green light for this movie, gets the budget, he has all his people. All that's great, right? Now you got to find people to actually be in this movie. So then... There were casting searches that were done in Austin, New York, and Los Angeles. According to an article I read, I think it was Mashable or it was something like that. Apparently, Vince Vaughn was almost cast as the bully O'Banion, who ended up being Ben Affleck. Um, I think it was Benny. I think it was Benny. Ben O'Banion, but I just saw something that said it was Benny. Oh, well, either way. I mean, you know, I think in this one, it says that O'Banion, but... Either way, he it would have worked for either one, I guess. You know, he was in kind of like the Vince Vaughn kind of. I guess they would have looked different. Like Benny had the red hair. Yeah. And as Linklater put it, apparently Benny was smart and full of life, and you don't cast the unappealing person; you cast the appealing person. So I don't know if that's a backhanded compliment to Vince Vaughn. Who knows? Other people who were in consideration were Elizabeth Berkley from um, Showgirls and uh, Saved by the Bell, Mira Sorvino, our lovely Romy. Uh, Ron Livingston, who's an actor from the 90s, and Mm -hmm. he's been in other stuff. And Claire Danes. Claire Danes was apparently going to be Sabrina. And this was right around the time that she was about to be in My So-Called Life, which really kind of catapulted her. And according to IMDb Trivia, which I don't always trust, uh, but apparently Alicia Witt was also in the consideration for that role. I wouldn't have been surprised by her either, I guess. If you don't know Alicia Witt, she was in Dune when she was a kid and, like, Twin Peaks, a couple episodes... She was also uh, Natalie from Urban Legend. 
And she's like a Hallmark Christmas lady now, so that's good for her. Uh, director, uh, casting director Don Phillips, uh, who, do you know what other movie he cast? No. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Makes sense. He did that one. Uh, he said that they wanted Claire Danes for the girl, but she was too young. She couldn't leave school. Renee Zellweger has a non-speaking role in this movie, but was originally considered for Parker Posey's role, Darla, which went to Parker Posey. Parker was just crazier, which was great. And Wiley Wiggins, apparently, was the big find in Austin. And also Kristen Hinojosa, who also was local. And a link later describes uh, Wiley as a 15-year-old with all the bad habits of a grad student. Smoking cigarettes, hanging out in coffee shops, my kind of guy. And here's a little something we have with this as well. So I did say a little earlier that most of the cast got on really well. You can tell in like the back behind-the-scenes type footage that they have. It's all on YouTube. Um, that, you know, they seem to have a good time on this movie, but, uh, that wasn't for everybody, though. And because <laughs> this movie was very loose and very kind of all over the place a little bit, some roles were intended to be larger. They were reduced. So this comes from an article, uh, it's like the 12 things you didn't know about, like, this movie, pretty right. much. Which is where the whole Ben Affleck, um, Vince Vaughn thing came from. There's actually also a whole article where it just talks about people, like, hooking up with one another, too, which I thought was fun. But anyway, um, the Kevin Pickford role, which was played by Sean Andrews, was intended to be a bigger role. But because of his behavior with other members of the team, uh, his screen time was cut down in favor of Matthew McConaughey's role, Wooderson. And Linklater recalls that there was another actor, Sean Andrews, who was the opposite of McConaughey. He wasn't really getting along with everybody. I could tell that the actors weren't really responding to him. Linklater apparently had to break up a fight between Andrews and Jason London at one point, And they barely spoke to each other on set. And then because of that, Mila Jovovich, who had been in... Like, the Return to the Blue Lagoon, she'd been a child model, like, teen model. Um, her stuff also kind of got... It didn't really work out, honestly. And it also kind of had something to do with something we'll also talk about in a minute. But, yeah, her role wasn't really that big either. And that's kind of awkward, y'all, because uh, when you think about this movie, yeah, in the beginning, you see it's pink... Pickford and Michelle and all them and whatever. And then, like, throughout the movie, you're just like, oh, he's not really in this a whole lot anymore. And you then find out what that is. And you have to think that's so awkward because, like, they're supposed to be playing friends. And you're about to, like, fight this guy (laughs) because, you know, whatever. Whatever. Sean Andrews, if you're listening, I hope you're a better person now, I guess. But that's kind of cool for Matthew McConaughey. He was not originally cast in the movie you know, he wasn't supposed to really be a big thing. I think even Anthony Rapp in that little documentary, he said, like, there wasn't much on the page for him. And he was just, like, a film student at the University of Texas in Austin. He went out drinking one night. He ended up going to this bar, hotel bar, because he's, his friend worked there, apparently. And he approached this uh, casting director who was there. They said, oh, you see that guy down there? Like, he's a casting director. He cast Sean Penn in Fast Times, which I will personally say right here, right now, I think that Wooderson's character, very similar to something like Sean Penn a little mm-hmm. bit, I would definitely say, in that movie. I agree. I agree, yeah. And Matthew goes, I'm going to go down and talk to this guy. And then Don Phillips just recalls that Linklater didn't really like McConaughey at first because he was, quote, too handsome. Which I guess, yeah, but then they were able to ugly him up a little bit. Because um, Wooderson is not supposed to be this like super handsome guy. Not much. He has that face. Listen. And much of the Wooderson role was improvised or written on the spot, giving McConaughey more screen time. So, 
Yeah, I just think it's really interesting, and it kind of goes for like what Richard Linklater wanted to do with the movie because I think he wanted to keep it very he wanted to keep it very uh, very loose, very improv-y. Have you seen the cast character interviews that they did with some of these things? No. All right. So, so if you have not, I think you should if you're a fan of this movie. Uh, there are character interviews that they do with these people uh, in this these roles. And what they do is that they talk as if they're their characters, pretty much. And so, for example, like, they ask, like, what does Jody like? What does Jody hate? What does this person like? What do they hate or whatever? And my favorite one, as we'll get into, is Darla. Because uh, I love how Parker Posey just brings her to life. And... Like, her little character interview is just her, like, outside her little truck that she has. She has, like, a cigarette in one hand, and she's just, like, talking, just like how she does, like, this, you know. <laughs> um, she's, talking about, she's, like, she's just been through a lot. And, you know, like, I think she's, first off, I think Parker Posey's a genius, personally. But, like, I love how she brought this character to life and gave her a bit of a backstory. Um, it just shows that she was trained and she knew how to, to do that. But... Uh, yeah check out those character interviews if you haven't already i think they might be on a dvd or like if you have the blu-ray of this you may be able to find them that way but they're on youtube for free and they're really interesting when you look at them because you're just like this was so open and improv in a way there was like a script obviously Mm -hmm. but like he was really open richard linklater was really open to just like doing a bunch of other shit so i thought it was really interesting anyway sarah so do you have any uh that's, that's kind of my fun facts I have. But do you have any other fun facts that you can think of about this film? No. <laughs> Not that I can think of. Um. What about the one that was a little uh, weird and awkward uh, for the folks involved? So, as we stated before, so Shawnee Andrews wasn't really uh, the nicest of people on the set, apparently. And um, he also decided that, being a 22-year-old, he decided um, to go ahead and uh, try to marry a 16-year-old Mila Jovovich. Um, yes, I've known that for a while. Which is crazy. Um, so, yeah, if you... So, in the one um, article that they talk about how people hooked up with each other or whatever, people definitely talked about, like, oh, my God, like, Sean Andrews and Mila Jovovich, they just, like, were always making out or, like, she was always laying on top of him or, like, sitting on top of him or whatever, blah, 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 right? Right. And so, being the adult in the situation, this young man decided to go and just, like, marry her. But, fun fact, um, her mom was on set because she was a teenager. Yeah. And so, she went and got that shit annulled because she's like, you're not marrying my 16-year-old. <laughs> okay? You cannot do that. No. This is Texas. I, I Whatever. But, but like, you know, the first time I, like, well, not, not I shouldn't say the first time I watched it, but, like, I knew in the, the movie that they dated, obviously. It was very obvious that they yeah. were dating in the movie. But, like, I didn't know a... I mean, I definitely watched it a few times before I realized and read read okay. that they had got married, like that they had got eloped, mm-hmm. or they went and eloped, and then they had it at all. And so then, when you go back and rewatch it, you go, "Oh, okay." Like, yeah. But the first time I watched it, it wasn't like I knew all that when I watched it. No, of course not. I also found out apparently. Um, I think I texted you this yesterday. I found out that apparently Marissa Rabisi, who uh, is wonderful, she's actually my favorite character in this movie. I love her. Um, she's a Scientologist, unfortunately, which is kind of crazy. Her and her brother both are, Giovanni Rubisi. Apparently, she was dating Jason Lee from My Name is Earl, uh, fame, and they, I guess, dated for a while. Yeah. And apparently, he was, like, on set because he, he came there. Like, 
I wonder why they didn't put him in the movie. I like, don't know. Maybe even as a background character or just like one of those funny. characters that may have just like said something. It would have made sense. a line, you know. It would have made sense. It would have worked. It would have made sense because Joey Lauren Adams, she ended up being um I don't know if I never watched Kevin Smith movies, so I don't care. But I know she was a Kevin Smith person. So she Which, might have been Amy from Chasing Amy. I think she was. I think she was too. So I never watched that movie. I didn't either. Sorry. I do know that in that interview, um, sorry, that documentary that we were speaking about earlier, that they were talking about kind of how everybody came to it and that, like, at what happened afterwards. Yeah. And Ben Affleck was like, I did go bill hunting after this, which we all know he won an Oscar for with his he did. best friend, Matt Damon. And we all know who these people are. I mean, but this this movie really broke out a lot of people, which is crazy. Oh, completely. You think about, like Ben Affleck, like, you know. Renee Zellweger, technically. He's had his time, but, you know, this was a very, like, one of his first movies. Yeah. And then he did and won an Oscar after this. Like, right. It's kind of crazy to look back at this movie and then go into that. Which I've never watched Go With Hunting, which I've wanted to. I just have never done it. Yeah. I mean, then it said he did Chasing Amy, which when you put two and two together. True, right. Joey, Laurie, Joey Lauren Adams, Adams yeah. and Ben Affleck are that movie together. And then Cole Hauser is I another know. one that uh, was kind of like, I feel like he was kind of like, he was quiet for a while. I don't really he was. quiet. He didn't do much, but he, if anybody watches Yellowstone, I do not watch Yellowstone. My mom watches it. Yes, yeah, she does. But he is in that, and he looks completely different. Really? I didn't know that. Yes. That's cool. So, I know Cole his Hauser. name is Rip. Okay, yeah. So, I don't under, I know Kevin Costner's in that show. Yeah. Um, other people, and Cole Hauser, but I'm like, that name sounds familiar. I know, and you're and like, I remember oh shit, it's Benny. It, and then I'm like, that's Benny, and when you, when you put like his red curly hair and yes. Days Confused and he's got this like dark hair and this yes. big beard he looks completely different he's more um, husky looking yeah you know he's older just so. older and he's just got but you know he looks good but I'm like whoa that's I, I would know. not have guessed that that was him it's crazy um, and then like, so if were, anybody likes that uh, that show then you'll know that I'm horrible because I get that in Fargo 27 years later I get that in Fargo mixed up so what Yellowstone and uh, Fargo I guess Fargo's a movie. Of, it's a TV show. And also a TV show too. It, with Kirsten Dunst and her husband. Uh, Damn yeah, it. You're right. Anyway. Oh, sorry. But I do get them a little bit confused. But anyway, but you're totally, totally right. I mean, like Ben Affleck's in this movie. Fucking Parker Posey before she did anything really big, you know, and like Anthony Rapp. Anthony Rapp, like before he was on um, Rent and shit like that, and before he uh, was the only one. I love him, and he exposed Kevin Spacey for the fuck that he is. Good for you, Anthony Rapp. I love you. Did you also know he was in Adventures in Babysitting? Anthony Rapp? Yeah. No. He's in that with Elizabeth Shue. But anyway, huh. so... Uh, but yeah, I'm so I'm many to different people. I'm think of any other people that have like kind of like blew up. Oh like, my god. I mean, like Renee Zellweger, well, like you and said. And obviously Matthew McConaughey. And Matthew McConaughey. I mean, also... This is right after... Right before he did um, A Time, a time to, kill. to Kill. He had mentioned that in the... Again, mm-hmm. like I said, this interview type documentary thing kind of went after too. And he did A Time to Kill, which is also... A completely different movie from Days Confused. It's also it's a very good movie if anybody's ever watched it's very it. Very dramatic. It's got Kiefer Sutherland. It's got oh. um, Samuel Jackson. Yes. It's got Sandra Bullock. It's like a Southern crime type thing. Yeah, going it's on. really good. I watched yeah. it a couple years back, and it it's just oh, I think Ashley Judd's in it. I think she's okay, yeah, yeah, girlfriend or wife. Yeah, it definitely makes you think. Um, yeah, especially the ending. If you ever were to watch the movie and get to the ending, it's kind of one of those things like kind of makes you think but anyway it's a really good movie and he did this i believe afterwards yeah. and but it's kind of crazy to like 
look at him in Wondershed and then he plays a lawyer in this other I know. movie and he's completely different. Plus also somebody who literally is but not... But this was like literally right after yeah. it. Also somebody who was like not really a trained actor like that. He went to film school kind of, sort of. But um, then he went to go and do, you know, a lot of the Dallas, The Dallas Buyers Dallas Club. Dallas Buyers Club. He did um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Yeah. I like that movie. He did... He apparently has a production company called Keep Living or something like just that. Just Keep Living or something. Just Keep Living. Yeah. It's a whole thing. So he definitely, he definitely skyrocketed after this movie. So it's just kind of funny when yeah. you're watching the credits like I was watching the credits at the end yesterday and it was like you say all people's names it was yeah. like Matthew McConaughey Ben Affleck and it's like that's crazy Adam Goldberg oh you have your little fun fact oh, about that fact, too Adam Goldberg so the, Adam Goldberg in this movie uh, also played How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days yes, years, he years later he's been in plenty of movies with Matthew McConaughey funny yeah. enough they kind of in a sense kind of reunited after we had Days Confused but if you are another shout out to a show that I, I actually do watch. I, I don't watch Yellowstone, but I do watch the Goldbergs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, based on the life of another Adam Goldberg. Yes. His well, growing up in a Jewish family. Growing in up in the 80s, all that stuff. In the 80s. And, you know, you're like, why? Wendy McClevin Covey. Yeah, but uh, when I heard Adam Goldberg, I'm like, that's the guy from Days Confused and or And I was like, is that the same guy? And it's not. <laughs> but of course, I had to like Google it back, back right. then. And it was not right. But, funny enough, they actually did go to the same school. And there is actually, like, a portrayal once or twice, three times at most, in the show about the other Adam Goldberg. Which is so funny. Which is him. Which which is is that guy. Which is the Adam Goldberg. (laughs) Adam Goldberg... Goldberg's is more behind the scenes. Yeah, he's a writer. He's a director. All that stuff. And you obviously see that. If you've ever watched the show, you know that he likes video... Doing videos and doing things of that nature. And he's more behind the scenes. But I... Would have not guessed that him and the other Adam Goldberg went to school together, and it's really funny that their name is exactly the same. I know, like that was probably very. And they both end up being like in Hollywood and stuff like that. Yeah, in a sense, the one guy more in front of the screen, right? So that was kind of that was that was a fun fact that I found out yours. I thought that's so funny. I love that. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, but so many different people, and it is very much that movie that is like the wait, isn't that? Or, wait, hold on, isn't that... But then I also thought one of the interesting things, too, was, like, uh, in the little documentary we watched, like, Richard Linklater did have, like, he really liked his cast, and he did all that, and he was actually very... He was very protective of them, wanting to be okay, but he, especially for uh, the young actors in this, especially Wiley Wiggins and Kristen Hinojosa, you know, because they were just local hires, and... I thought it yeah, was they were really like what, 15, 16? so young. I think he was sixteen, and then like I think she was around the same age. And he wanted to make They're sure probably the only teenagers. Yes, and he probably and then the other extras or whatever. But like you know, but he was like, I wanted to make sure I don't like fuck their lives up or whatever. And I thought that was very nice of him to do. And honestly, like I think both of them are really awesome people. Uh, Wiley Wiggins, I don't really know. What I he think does they were now. good for the parts that they played. Absolutely, and I think they just seemed like really cool people. And if that's the only credit they ever did, then, yeah, you know, that's kind of cool to say, hey, I was in this. You know this. <laughs> classic movie that I was in classic you know <laughs> teen film um, it's crazy time period no, I don't want to say time there. it's a period old. piece it's to me it's a period piece in a sense the 70s like so many people were in this movie like yes I I, I act alongside yeah. Ben Affleck Matthew McConaughey who can say that and yeah you know they, they might not have made yeah. it in Hollywood but like it's pretty cool to think back that these two you know, there's people. iconic scenes and, yeah. and things and you were part of it you were part of all that yeah. and that your, your character 
Yeah. I think Wiley Wiggins said it really cool because, like, he still lives in Texas, I think. Um, shout out Wiley Wiggins if you listen. But anyway, uh, I just think it's really, really cool because he even said he was like, I went out to L.A. I tried to make it happen. I tried doing it because Nikki Cat, who plays Clint in this movie, he said, oh, you should move to L.A., blah, blah, blah. He said he didn't work the whole time he was in L.A. He lived on some, like, shitty part of Hollywood and then he was working in Encino, which I don't think is close. I think it's a valley. And he was just, um, he was doing titles for HBO soft core porn. Yeah, that's what he said, yeah. Um, and then he just moved back to Texas and he, like... He was just like, I'm just gonna go do my thing. Yeah, and I don't even know what it is. And then Kristen Hinojosa, she said she did the same thing. She said, I went out and tried to do it. And you have to play the game when you're in Hollywood. And you kind of have to, unfortunately. And so... And I'm not going to lie. I feel like it would be a lot harder for a woman to go out there and do it, Completely. Too. Oh, yeah. And so there's that. And then also, I loved her Especially candor. Especially all the stuff that, you know, we've found out over the years. Oh, the happened. Me Too and everything. Yeah. So we don't know what could have happened if she would have... Completely. You know, it's... You know, you do you, boo. I mean, gorgeous, of course. But it's so... But, like, maybe yeah. it's a good thing that things that... Not, not saying that things that happen to other people is, you know, that that's unfortunate. Not. But... You know, maybe maybe yeah. this was just her. You know, they roll into town, make a movie, right? She's That's what it. you got. It. She had a couple. You know, she had. I guess you put, probably put all of her scenes in the movie. I mean, you probably she's always probably there for like ten minutes, right? Really, she's a major me. part of it, just because like she's Anthony Rathlove's interest. There's definitely times where she's not talking, like of course, you know, when they're in the car wash and yeah, you know, whatever. There's, totally. She's got a couple lines, but it's not like major. You know, like yeah, the other people's lines. But, um, but maybe so, that yeah, was maybe her it thing. Was just like they were just meant to roll into town and yeah. get into this movie, and then that was it. I loved her candor in this documentary. So what happens? I loved her candor in this documentary because she was like, there's people who definitely have come up to her being like, have you ever seen the movie Days Confused? You look just like the girl. Yeah. She's probably like, yeah, I am the girl. Yeah. But I loved her candor because she said, yeah, I went out and tried to do it and blah, blah, blah. And she just said... I honestly just wasn't really that good enough, which I appreciate that as a person uh, who wants to be an actor. You go out there and you're like, maybe I'm just not that good of an actress. Like, and maybe I should do something else. And then um, in this documentary, it was probably done in 2004 or something like that. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. But like, uh, she she did more like war advocacy type work. And that's where she found her her kind of passion. I also thought it was funny in that documentary, they all talked about the different things they were doing. And Ben Affleck was in this little documentary, as you were stating, and he said, I got engaged briefly. <laughs> mm-hmm. We all know who that was. Yeah, who he's now married to again. To <laughs> and now he just recently got back with J-Lo That's and so got funny. married. I love how he's just like, I got engaged briefly. I'm like, yeah, you did. Because yeah, you also were with Jennifer Garner for millions of years. And, and had kids. Kids with her yeah. and everything. But, uh, you know. What a time. Who's Jennifer Garner married to now? No one. Good for her. I love you. I love you, Jennifer Garner. Um, Jennifer Garner's stand account. I love her so much. Uh, I think she was dating somebody, but nobody of, you know, actor status. I don't know if I want to do 13 going on 30. I'm not sure yet. But we might. Oh, Who knows? that could be fun. It could be fun. It's a good one. Uh, but yeah, no, that's that's pretty much Jennifer it. Garner. I love Jennifer Garner. She's so good. Like, just in general. That movie's hilarious. Her in... Let me tell... Okay, I'm gonna have Jennifer Garner moment for just a little bit. She's great in 13 Going on 30. And then also, so good in Juno. So good in Juno. Oh my god. Like, when she goes and, like, she's talking to the baby at the mall at Juno's belly or whatever. And it's so good. Oh my god, I love that movie. Anyway, so, yeah. 
anyway, so yeah, that's those are kind of our fun facts. You know, again, it seems like a pretty, which is great and wonderful. And do you know some of the other things that he did um, in terms of this, like Richard Linklater, like what he ended up uh, kind of doing after this? He did another movie and it was not good. He yes, we talked about that one. Everyone wants some. Sorry. Ugh. Gross. But anyway, sorry, Richard Linklater. Well, here's my thought: is when I watched it, I've always meant. Well, I meant to watch it. It came out years ago, and I meant to watch it, and I yeah. just never did. And or I didn't have the streaming, whatever. And I watched it somewhere on Roku. I can't remember. It was like a year and a half ago. I watched it, and it was kind of just one of those things I put on, and I was like doing other stuff, but I was paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I've wanted to watch this. We do it, and mm-hmm. I think I just kept comparing it to Days of Confusion exactly. so much that I was just like, it's not stacking up for me and I was like nah I was like this isn't Nah. It's also like super boring, and it's also apparently I haven't even I think seen it's like it. The 80s version. Yeah, it, I haven't even seen it, but like apparently it's, like it's we boring. Had 80s we had Fast and Furious High. Exactly, exactly. Oh, we'll get to that. Uh, but anyway, so he uh, also ended up doing School of Rock. He directed that with Miranda Cosgrove. Oh, Jack, Jack Black. Black. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, so then got turned into a musical. Uh, I've never he, seen that, but I wanted to. Yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, Bad News Bears, he did the remake of that, which is kind of fun, um, with the baseball team. Oh. And he also did Boyhood, which is the movie that people know of because it was shot over a period of 12 years. You know, I kind of wanted to watch that before, and I haven't watched it, and I, I found a fun fact. Well, not a fun fact, but I didn't, I didn't realize that this was... He did this until he just said it now, but apparently the guy, the one guy that's in this movie that sells the guy the beer mm-hmm. with the glasses, apparently he's in Boyhood. Yes, he is. Apparently, yeah. I love that. I mean, I'm sure he's about old. 20 years older, but <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. But now it makes sense that he did that. Absolutely. It's kind of like a little cameos being in that movie. and then Also, yeah, so there's that. We also have the fun school ties type of thing. I think you said it was in the documentary. It was not, I don't think. But if you've ever watched the movie School Ties, it's on HBO right now if you want to go watch it. You can see Brendan Fraser's butt, which is really fun. But um, you also see it in Gods and Monsters kind of too. Um, But anyway, School Ties, if you don't know, is about Brendan Fraser being a Jewish boy in the 50s and going to a school. And... So he's like on scholarship or whatever because he's a football player. And so then he meets these other boys, one of whom is Ben Affleck's BFF, Matt Damon, who's in this movie or in the school ties. Uh, but then you have Anthony Rapp, Cole Hauser, and Ben Affleck are all in school ties. Wow. Which is hilarious. Right before they were in this movie together. Because that was 92 and this was 93. So they probably shot Probably School Ties. Yeah. So that's like really funny. And I was just like, okay, that's really fun. But yeah, go watch School Ties. You can... It's not overtly homoerotic, but that's, there's a fight scene in a shower. It's kind of homoerotic. I think it's fun. Yeah. What else is there? And then, of course, the comparisons. I think this movie has a certain legacy, like we were talking about earlier. It's very much a movie that you can watch when you're a teenager. And you should definitely watch when you're a teenager, because when you're older, you still enjoy it, I think. But, like, you're just like, okay, this is not at all what high school is kind of a thing. But, you know, who knows? But uh, it's had that certain legacy to it. Um, I also think that there are comparisons to Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is kind of fun. Yeah, no, Fast Times is just so good, and it's no surprise that, you know, that was from Amy Heckerling, and she mm-hmm. did Clueless and everything, yeah. and another little bit of fun facts we kind of have a little bit, um, I think, obviously this was done in Texas, all 
pretty much Austin, Texas, I believe. I only believe so much of the fun fact, but I believe you said earlier, what was the one about the music of this film? One-sixth of the budget was spent on acquiring the rights to 1970s pop hits on the soundtrack. So as we know, this movie has Aerosmith. It oh has... God. I think it has Kiss. It does. It has Kiss. Uh, it has Foghat. Uh-huh. It has... So much. Peter Frampton. Uh, the Runaways. It has The Runaways. It has... Um, oh, what's the... Alice one? Cooper. Alice Cooper of the... Um, fun fact, I did see Alice Cooper a couple years ago in concert. Love that. He was with Motley Crue, and he was like one of the opening acts. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of funny seeing a guy that is oh god he's probably in his eighties now, seventies um, seventies. So I seen that seen about five years ago, and so I was pretty pretty cool to see him. Yeah, I actually could say I see him in concert. Leonard Skinner was in this. Uh, he they were on this thing. Black oh yeah, Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. So it does not surprise me that um, a fair I, amount I of the budget. I heard Ozzy, but I was like, it was probably Black Sabbath. You're right. I think it was Black Sabbath. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So it's no surprise that this movie uh, has a whole lot for sure like, of that. And yeah, because the budget wasn't that big. It's six, almost seven million dollars. It's not that much. But like, I think if you would have had all these songs in there, I just don't know. I guess it still would have been a pretty cool movie. I just don't know how. I agree. I just don't know. I think the music definitely helps make the... Yeah, it makes the movie. I mean, the same thing with Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I think. Like, they have such good songs in there. The movie starts out with the Go-Go's. I mean, come on. Like, are you kidding me? Like, so good. I just put two and two together. The artist or the band War? Yeah, Lowrider. And they did Why Can't We Be Friends, where they're doing the air, the hazing, the girl yep. hazing scene. Yep. I would have known that. You're very right. Oh, yeah. JKL Productions is Matthew McConaughey's production, and it's the Just Keep Living. Oh, and, and we have an iconic Love Hurts. That's a good song. When, they, when they're at the dance. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun one. Oh, little fun fact. So Matthew McConaughey is supposed to be the older guy in this movie, and he's, like, hanging out with the young kids or whatever. But did you know he was actually younger than some of these people, though? That's what I... I so he was younger than Sasha Jensen, Joey Lauren Adams, and Parker Posey. Huh. But he's playing, like, the 22-year-old yeah, or whatever. The one that's out of school and working. Yeah, so exactly. He's working for the city. Uh, oh, apparently also... So back in 2004, uh, there were apparently people that Richard Linklater knew back in the day who all have the same last names as some of these characters. <laughs> So apparently it was Bobby Wooderson, Andy Slater, Richard Floyd. These were classmates of his. They tried suing Universal Studios saying that they didn't get the permission to use their likeness or surnames or whatever. And they still all live in Texas and whatever. But, you know, the statute of limitations had expired or whatever. So, yeah, Richard Linklater, you couldn't do that. Oops. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. Oh, did you know that the Top Notch Burger that they go to, which those burgers kind of sound kind of good, actually. Right. I was thinking about that. Um, <laughs> did you know that that uh, is actually also, I was, a couple months ago, was watching, I was, you know, teen movies are kind of my shit a little bit, and I was watching Varsity Blues because it was on Stars or streaming somewhere, and I was like, oh shit, like this looks really familiar for a place that they go to get food, and it was Top Notch Burger, and so that was also in Varsity Blues as well. Which is not a great movie, necessarily, but... I you know. read that in the trivia, and I also read that it closed down. 
It did close down, and I think it closed. Uh, and then back it opened up. back up. Yeah, I was like, I would. Re- and apparently, they have the paddles at the top. Then. Which is so funny. I think uh, that's very apropos. Yeah, uh, it's kind of like, have you ever heard of um, Johnny's Broiler in Los Angeles, California? Um, Johnny's Broiler is like a little diner that they have. I think it's still around. It, it closed for renovations. But uh, any of my California listeners, y'all can tell me about it. I guess Los Angeles people. But Johnny's Broiler is in Los Angeles. It was the uh, place where they take Liz and Jawbreaker to, like, they find that she's dead there. And then they go back there to try to find the photo or whatever. But also, do you know what movie else it's in? It's also in Can't Hardly Wait. That's where Preston goes and he meets Jenna Elfman. She goes there. Okay. Yeah. And then it's also in Reality Bites. It's where they go. If you Have you ever seen Reality Bites? Uh, it's where Janine Garofalo and Winona Ryder go. They go to, um, where do they go? They go to, like, get diner food or whatever. Gotcha. Also, Renee Zellweger is in that movie, too. She plays somebody with Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, yeah. So, I'm trying to think what else there is, if there's anything fun that we can talk about. Uh, Rory Cochran wore a wig, of course, because mm-hmm. why wouldn't he? I think Adam Goldberg also wore a wig, too, because you saw it. Um, yeah. In the documentary, he put on a wig or whatever. So that makes sense because I wouldn't want, I do kind of want some of their hairstyles a little bit, but I understand that, yeah, no, some of that was not. Apparently, this is also one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite movies, apparently. I think there was that. And then, yeah, this is like the film debut for a couple people. So it was like Joey Lauren Adams, I think it was her first movie or one of her first. It was Marissa Rabisi's first movie, I think. So, yeah. But anyway, you know, without further ado, I guess, let's move into our plot summary of Days and Confused. So we begin our film with an opening title sequence where it talks like, you know, the Gramercy Pictures presents. And it's just like a black screen. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, we're also hearing the beginning of this m- song by Aerosmith, Sweet Emotion. We then see this car, this orange pumpkin colored muscle car driving around a parking lot and we get introduced to Kevin Pickford kind of and Michelle Burroughs. Kevin Pickford is played by Sean Andrews and Mila Jovovich is playing Michelle and they're uh, rolling a joint as you do in the 70s. And so then you just get kind of interspersed with different people, like different extras. It kind of does that and it kind of starts... Not so much inter- introducing the other characters, but they just show the different clicks yes. of what they're doing. Like, they show them, because they're, like, the stoners. Mm-hmm. Then you get to the you jocks. See, uh, you do see them. You also see the stoner, where you see Slater, played yeah. by Rory Cochran. Yeah, you see the jocks a little bit. Uh, you see the popular girls, the I guess. Geeks. The geeks. And you just kind of get these different, like... That's um, kind of how they just yeah. kind of show what they're doing. Yeah. No dialogue yet, none of that, but it's just playing Sweet Emotion, and you're just getting a feel for these different characters, and just kind of what it looks like, I guess, Um, and then you get these different, like, the school, then we have this little, like, kind of title sequence, but it's like a little thing where it says, last day of school, May 28th, 1976, at the time, or whatever, it's Lee High School, which is in Texas, we are to, to assume, I guess. 
You then have uh, our actual bit of dialogue we have, where it's Randall Pink Floyd, played by Jason London of the London Brothers. He is with his girlfriend, Simone, played by Joey Lord Adams. And she says, I'm getting this way. And have we decided what we're going to do for tonight? Oh, I'm probably just going to get hung up with the guys. And she's just like really chill. And she's just like, okay, whatever. So she her, really sounds like that. She really does sound like that, and I love her for it. But yeah. So then you see Pink is going with his friends, Pickford and Michelle. They're just like walking, and then they're walking into the school, and they get introduced to Slater, played by Rory Cochran again, when he's just like looking up at something. I don't even know if he's getting a drink of water or whatever. I think he was. Uh, but somebody has also like made the president or whatever. They've like drawn on him, and he has like um, red eyes, red eyes yeah. and like whatever. It's really funny. <laughs> And so they get introduced to him, and we will find out that apparently it's supposed to be a party. It's going to be 9.30, man. 9.30. Okay. I'll be there, man. And so then, before <laughs> Slater leaves, he's like, I gotta stop by on a little bit of business, if you know what I mean. And like, yeah, I know what you mean, man. That's what I'm talking about, man. He just says, I'm fucking wasted. He just like goes away. Uh, which is really funny. So then you have, I believe, the next scene is again, Pink is walking down the hall with um, Michelle and uh, Kevin. And so he then goes to his actual class he has to go to, where we are then introduced to his other friend group, I guess, uh, who is... Mike Newhouse and Tony Olson, and we have um, Cynthia Dunn, uh, all played by Adam Goldberg, Anthony Rapp, and Marisa Rabisi. So you get the idea that Pink is just kind of like a chameleon, like he is a jock, kind of. He's also sort of a stoner, but he also plays poker with these geeky people, apparently. Apparently one of their friends is out of town, so they're not going to play poker tonight, but I'll probably get just wrapped up at this party. And be like, oh, maybe we should go to that. And be like, oh, well, you know, all right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So we get introduced and we kind of see that, like, Tony is sort of, like, apprehensive. He's like, I always feel, like, weird at those things. But, oh, no, we're going to do it. Like, let's do it. Because you find that, I guess, Cynthia has her own car. They're like, you know, I'll kind of get together, whatever. But you can just tell that they're a little bit different. They're my favorite, personally. I like them a lot, actually. So, yeah. And then we get the uh, Mike and Anthony talking about... I'll call him Anthony, too, because it's his real name. But his name's Tony. So yeah. it really is that. Tony's talking about a dream that he had with, uh, he says he's swearing Mike to secrecy or whatever. He says, you know, so I'm there and I'm, I'm getting it on with like the perfect female figure. But and then he's like, well, you can't just like stop right there. You know? Yeah. It seems pretty good. Like a perfect female figure. <laughs> But with the head of Abraham Lincoln, like the hat and the beard. And he's just like, oh, well, you know, guess I won't really think too much on that, you know, or whatever. I got to go do this thing. I'll be right back. And then all that Mike can say is just like, yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry, you know, yeah. <laughs> which is funny because in real life, Anthony Rapp is like queer. And I think apparently him and Parker Posey had a little thing going on uh, on the set, which is kind of fun. But it's just funny because, like, this is the 70s, so it wasn't exactly, you know, in vogue to be queer or anything like that. But uh, I just think that's really funny because then I'm like... There definitely wasn't any display of that in this movie at all. Not at all. And that's the only thing you kind of get where you're like, well, that's kind of weird. But then it's interesting because, like, the character themselves, like, the actor is a queer person. He has a husband now and all that shit yeah. and whatever. But I just was like, okay, whatever. But there is no display of that because there wasn't, there wasn't going to be. It's you know, fucking Texas. Like, you, whatever. True. <laughs> you true. 
got that about Texas. No offense to Texas, but I'm just saying. It's like, but I wonder, you know, because they don't display that in this movie, but I'm sure, obviously, there was queer and gay mm-hmm. people in school, so it's like, I wonder if they felt like they could be open or if they kind of felt yeah. like they had to hide it, too. Like, they... Yeah. How many How many stories have you heard people saying they acted like... That they had to hide. They had to hide, or they, they, they dated people in high school. Yeah. They were a man. They dated girls in high school. Well, you know, oh, we you, you dated girls in high school. Yeah. So it's like, I really wonder if, like, they did that, and then maybe in the 80s or 90s, you know, they kind of came, came out and yeah. felt, you know, okay to come out, whereas maybe in the 70s they kind of felt... Um, totally. I wonder, just because, like, it's definitely not displayed in here. Yeah. And... But, because, I mean, hell, people in the 50s were... Oh, yeah. All the little movies and shows you watch where people were secretly getting together that were yeah. queer. And, you know, they'd be broken up by the police. I mean, uh-huh. that's horrible. I mean, that's a whole other discussion yeah. you would do. But, yeah. um, but it's just like, I wonder. I, I feel like they probably were a certain way or they had to yeah. put on an act or a facade. And then right. later in their years, maybe in their late 20s, early 30s, they were like, you know right. what? I think I'm good to, like, come out now. Because like, even when we think about it, I mean, you know kind of going off a tangent but I think it's fine it's like yeah in Fast Times at Regimon High there's no like queer character really no, that's what I can think of, no. not that I can think of and there's not really any even sort of like there's no real like reference to it you really only have that in so many of those teen movies and then you have something like Clueless that has a character but we don't find out he's gay until like halfway through and let me tell you that when we actually you know? do dive into that movie at some point in time which we will do in the podcast because of course iconic. we will. <laughs> and we were both doing it because it's iconic and I love that movie so much. But it's like, I'm not going to lie to you, I watched that when I was younger and I don't think that one was too bad. I think Cruel Intentions I should have been a little older to watch. Right, right, right. But Clueless is, again... That's like, PG-13, so yeah. PG-13 and Clueless is definitely another no-brainer. Like, you don't have to think about this movie. Yeah. Really. It's just fun. Silly. Yeah. You know... It's just a fun movie. But it talks... But it's interesting, but I didn't know with Christian. Like, yeah. I did not know. Like, watching the first couple times, like, I didn't put two and two together. Right. That he was gay. Like, that he liked <laughs> boys. Like... Right. I did not understand that. I was just like, oh, like, whatever. She ends up liking her stepbrother or old... I don't even know what Whatever he whatever. is. Fall run in all his glory. But, like, it, it's one of those you definitely go back to. And I definitely will definitely cover this when we do this. But I yeah. definitely didn't know. And then, obviously, watching it as a teen and, like, young adult, I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that thought about that. And it's Some crazy. to do right off the bat. But it's crazy, too, because then also it's, like, it is this kind of, like, And, of course, fantasy. Murray's, like. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I have this. You didn't know this? Um, And that was also just kind of a fantasy world because that's not really how I think, like, Beverly Hills really is. Like, Um, but it's interesting that, like, they had, like, the wealthy black people, you know what I mean? And they showed that off. And, you know, it was this white girl we're covering, but then she has, like, a black friend. And then her black friend has a boyfriend. And then there's other wealthy black people here, too. Then you have, like, the girl who's, like, out of town, who's, like, the new girl. And then. You have this character who you don't know is gay until, like, halfway through, and you're like, oh, okay. And another thing, I think, with this movie, A Days of Confusion, you only literally have the one person of color that's in the group. Yeah. And I, I feel he like... He doesn't get anything, hardly. Ba- barely. Barely. Just a couple lines. And I feel like they could have... Yeah. And I could be... Maybe the time, Texas, maybe... Sure. Maybe they just... That wasn't very popular. Or he wasn't thinking about that when he was making the but movie. I just wonder, it's like, I wonder if that's something that... Would have more of a yeah, you know, is it was it like that because there wasn't that many um, people of color people or of color right. in, that, in that you know in that that or that, that state like or not or 
you know, just, just kind of like that one. Or that wasn't Richard Linklater's. Right. Or was it the token guy of like, oh, if this is Richard Linklater's kind of autobiography a little bit yeah. of like, did he only have like that one friend yeah. of color or whatever? Maybe he didn't have a whole lot but of I gay friends. I didn't really friends. see it too much in this, like when they showed like the Not sides of it. Not the sides. But, I mean, I think the only other person is the teacher, like a junior high teacher who was like. Which I, I think, love. Men! Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, but, but yeah, yeah I just, I wonder, a maybe as far as extras go, I didn't really feel like I saw that. So. I agree. Yeah, we're we're getting off into a whole thing, but I like it though because we can have these conversations. Anyway, back to the movie. I guess. Sorry, <laughs> no, you're good. Um, anyway, they go to class or whatever, and so then there's something that happens after uh, Anthony Rapp says that where it might be that they're listing off the Gilligan's Island episodes or whatever. But I think before that, actually, it's you get to see Dawson, Don Dawson, played by Sasha Jensen. And he goes, and I think he's at the wood shop because you see Slater's in there. He's, like, teaching a guy how to, like, make a bong or whatever. Uh, Fun fact about the wood shop, before you get into it, I was watching this yesterday. I probably noticed this before. It's just one of those things where... You watch, and I've watched it so many times that I kind of just probably watched it and was like, ha 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 ha. I don't realize it when I'm watching it. I thought it would be a fun fact that in the workshop or mm-hmm. woodshop, whatever the hell the, they call Same it, thing. technology, I don't know. I think when I was in high school, it was like tech class or whatever. Yeah, tech education know. or whatever. Although I did nothing. I literally just did nothing. And I, I didn't got, either. But anyway, what I thought was funny in the workshop is they're, the guys on the machine doing something with the paddle because the paddle was coming to play in the movie because they haze the... The, the guys younger freshman yeah uh, the girls but the guys the guys hates guys girls hates girls and he's like doing something with his paddle like putting holes in it or whatever it is and it says please wear your goggles or something and and it's like on the machine that he's like messing with mm-hmm. and then you see his goggles on the top of his head so he yes. should be having them down on his eyes to protect his eyes and i just thought that was really funny yeah i think that's funny too and that guy is uh benny played by cole hauser our yellowstone uh, school ties dude i just remembered the other thing i was gonna say about with our mom with being being a teenager in the 70s i just remember this she told me that i think junior high was another year yeah so like high school was sophomore so 10th 11th and 12th grade yeah because i was like trying to like look for yearbooks depends on where you're and I couldn't do it and then she was telling me that apparently junior year was into ninth grade yeah no that makes sense because so. junior high also could enjoy could include that yeah and I guess things change over the years mm-hmm. and then also the 70s, regionally like too that. yeah no but I think we can you know people can relate because they're just like high school's weird dude and like why do we have to do all this stuff right. granted love teachers they're great wonderful um, sometimes you're just like oh my god like I just wish there would have been more options crazy, like yeah. for that stuff like why you would have had to take that class why we had to do like what we called a career cluster meaning like you would have to you take your basic classes but then you had to have a career cluster meaning you had to choose this path to go down so for example it was like performing arts for me so you could do band chorus or orchestra I don't even know if I had one honestly. or dance or something like that or you could do literary arts where you could like be on the newspaper or do creative writing or something or you could do like home ec where you could like do foods which was like the food class and then you could do working with children where you could like work with the children and like they had a little daycare thing set up kind of sort of but anyway it was just weird because i was like i really don't feel like i was in any career cluster yeah it was mine i was, really don't mine was performing arts because you had to choose it and i was like well i guess i'll do chorus all four years whatever which was fine but i was just like am i a singer now no bitch like what do you mean maybe i did f- i don't remember whatever i don't know 
who knows? I had to look at my transcript. Exactly. But anyway, so we have that little thing where he's making his little paddle and all that. Then we go back to this class, which I guess is history class or something. I don't actually know. We see that, you know, we have the girls. We have Jody played by Michelle Burke. We got Siobhan, played by Dina Martin, I believe. And then we have Kay, who's played by Christine Harnos, I believe. Uh, Other fun fact, she was an ER. Oh, the Christine Harnos lady? She was. She played, if you... ER is a drama with, TV show with set. George I think Clooney. it actually started in 94. I think it did too. I literally think that it started the year after this movie came out. And she plays one of the doctors, like one of the main characters who's a doctor. I love that. Plays his wife. She, I think, like, plays like a lawyer or she's going to be a lawyer. It's a whole thing. Children, if you're listening to this, ER was like today's Grey's Anatomy. Exactly. And it had a lot of seasons. Actually, yeah. Grey's Anatomy, Grey's Anatomy has surpassed this, but it was, I actually watched it over. Like quarantine, I watched it in twenty twenty, and it was it was good. Um, but I thought, God, I was like, she looks so familiar. Who is that? And I was like, I'm one of the minor characters, Days Confused. And I looked it up, and I was right. Yeah. Also, Dina Martin, I think, is uh, she's not really an actress anymore. Apparently, I looked her up, and she actually worked at Buffalo Wild Wings for a long, long time. Apparently, and she moved. She worked there for a long time, and now she apparently is a like Christian lady, and she has like a little ministry with her husband in Delaware, apparently, which is near us. So that's kind of cool so I'd be like bitch that's really cool and then you have like the geeks or whatever and oh but the big thing was also is that you see Jason London you see Pink is in the class and Don has come over and he gives him something Don gives Pink this pledge sheet pretty much and so the, the pledge sheet is because the football coaches have decided that you can't do these things now and you know we have to like try to suppress it so we're having you sign this pledge pretty much which is kind of a throughout thing right and so of course pink is pissed about this and he's just like ah fuck this blah 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 so then again they're back in the history class or whatever i think we have some other stuff happen before this but then we were back to the history class because then they're trying to name off all of the Gilligan's Island episodes or whatever, which is kind of funny. But then there's the other scene after he's and gotten And Jody was like, the professor was sexy. Yes, because they go to the bathroom, too. Uh, which I love in that little thing in the background. And I can Jody. understand that. Professor, if I can remember... Yeah, like, the professor from the Gilligan's Island shoot, yeah, he was hot. More so than the others. I know, right? Although I thought Bob Denver, when he was Gilligan, was kind of cute. But anyway, just, you would. just me. Anyway, so they go to the bathroom yeah, or whatever. Professor- sexy. Yeah, we're looking him up right now. Anyway. He was. He was good. You know, he's sexy. But anyway, I love... like you have the ginger and the Marianne. Yeah, the overweight middle-aged guy, a nerdy scientific type. You know, the professor sexy. I love in that background, too, uh, there's a little thing that says Jody Kramer is stuck up. <laughs> In the oh, background, where you see it, it's kind of funny. And that was actually supposed to be a little bit of a longer scene, but it ended up getting cut. This movie, when it first was originally done, was like two hours and forty minutes. I could never. Oh my god! But this it got podcast supposed to be two hours and forty. Whatever. Minutes. Anyway, but <laughs> they then come back to the classroom, and then I believe it's Pink who's like sharing this pledge, and they're all like, you know, he's pissed about it. He's not happy about yeah, it. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to sign that. I don't want to sign this. Da 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 da. And then I like when um, Mike says something about like why they have to resort to Neo McCarthyism, and then Tony's just like Neo McCarthyism. I like that. And it's like okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so then we get that kind of thing going on again, just kind of showing what's going on with these young people and everything. 
And so then... it is the last day of last school, school in 1976. Yes, yes. And so, so they are waiting for that bell to ring. Yes, they, they are. They have the papers fly. And, yes, yes. Yeah. And then we also have a part where we have the football coaches. Mm-hmm. So it's where the... Because we get reiterated that, like... So the one football coach is, like, the assistant coach, who apparently that guy is actually like an old NFL player or whatever. Not really? the main coach, but the... Like the dark hair guy? The dark hair guy like that the they first guy? talked to. Yeah. yeah. Not like the older um, guy. Where they're like, you know... Because the older guy comes in to play at the end of the yes, movie. Yes, he comes in to play at the end of the movie. But the other guy that they first talked to, like, you yeah. know, like, I don't want you getting lazy. I know you're sitting around the pool chasing the muff around. Ugh. But anyway, so, whatever. But that guy apparently is, like, an old NFL player, which is kind of funny, because, like, anyway. But, uh... My husband is a big NFL football... I'm sure if we tell him who it is, he could tell us who it is. I know, he definitely could. Anyway, yeah. But anyway, so... But we get this reiteration that, like, okay... Yeah, I know, right? But we get this reiteration that, like, the main coach, who... I don't know who plays him, but it's the main coach, and he's the one who's sending out the pledge or whatever. He's like... Randall Floyd, you have to, you know, don't think I haven't been noticing and whatever. And talking about, like, that's how he talks. I know. But anyway. It's just the way you do voices. Is it's so really funny. funny. He just really. Don't re- think I haven't been noticing. Yeah, don't think I haven't been noticing. You better sign that paper. It really is. That's pretty much what it was. And again, he's just, like, not into it. And Randall's it. like, or Pink's like, I'm fighting the man. He's fighting the man or whatever. And then you also get a little bit, too, of, like, that I think it was, like, We'll get into it in a little bit later, but, like, it seems as if he wants to go against the grain, but then also his jock friends are like, why are you trying to, like, ride, rock the boat? You know right. what I mean? Kind of a thing. But anyway. So then we have this kind of going on. So then you have the end of the school day when classes have finally ended. And School's Out starts playing. And School's Out starts playing. Perfect. I think even Perfect beforehand, song. though, oh, wait a minute, because they go and drive over to the middle school. Yeah. You go drive over to the junior high, and we get introduced to the young men, Mitch, played by Wiley Wiggins, his friend Carl, Hirschfelder, all them. And so we get introduced to them because we find out that, oh, and the other thing was that when Jody comes out of the bathroom, she asks for uh, them to take it easy on Mitch. Which is her little brother. Which is her little brother, and whatever. And of course they're like, oh no, we ain't taking Oh, we're not taking it easy on him at all. And then that gets into them going over to the, the junior high, and whatever, and they have this announcement where Cole Hauser, Benny, he is like uh, saying it. He's like, if you come out here and do this now, we'll only give you five licks, or whatever. We'll only do whatever. And then they, they intimidate Mitch. They're like, Mitchy, 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 Mitchy. Uh, we're looking for you, pal. I also love how, like, he's supposed to be from Texas, but he has, like, this weird, like, North Eastern accent. We're looking for you, pal. I'm just like, okay, whatever, dude. Yeah. But anyway, so we have that. And then he's like, oh, shit. Like, what are they going to do? We find out that he is a pitcher. Um, Mitch is a pitcher yeah. on the baseball team. So he has to go to a game tonight, which we'll talk about in a bit. And then they go up to the teacher uh, who is... like, let's, let's see if we can try and leave early. Yeah, so and I can, love like, him. Spare being, like, like, like well, yeah. being hit with the paddle exactly. by the senior. And I love him because his... Uh, I think even, like, uh, the teacher... You can assume he was a war veteran of some sort. He must have been, like, he was Vietnam like, he was like, or whatever. He was like, my sergeant told me... He's like... Men! He was like, 50 of you are gonna... Are going in this mission, 25 of you ain't coming back. <laughs> and it's like, I just love him. It's and so he's good. great. Uh, he's just, they're just like, he's like, that's okay. my feelings on it. And he's just like, okay, thanks then. But anyway, back so to the end of school. I guess I'm dying now, thanks. I guess I'm dying. I'm going to get paddled, thanks. So then you go and you show these like little. 
Yeah, like, so you see the high school, they're all, like, you know, throwing their papers up, everyone's leaving, everyone's getting their cars, and, like, they're going from the high school. Then you have the middle schoolers, they're all leaving, too. All that good stuff. And then you see that some of the young um, freshman boys are being paddled. Some of them are, you know, it's just starting really early, obviously. And so school's out, is playing and everything. And then we then come up to... So we see how the guys are being dealt with. How the senior dudes who are paddling the young men. Then we see the girls and how they're doing it. Because we really don't know anything. Although we know that, like... They were packing some stuff up in grocery bags or whatever, like, but we don't really know what they're going to do. This is where we find out what they're going to do, because as you know, as a woman, girls don't necessarily have to fight hard with their fists. They fight with their minds and manipulation and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So instead, the girls in this movie, when they're having to do all this, oh, before they get to the, the hazing of the girls... Uh, they have to do this. It's when everyone's leaving and they pack up the girls in the trucks yeah. and they give them pacifiers to put in their mouths. Yeah. And this is when we then meet uh, Sabrina Davis, played by Kristen Hinojosa. Um, Jody notices her and she's like, hey, you come here. Be like, you know, who are you? And she's like, I'm nobody. Like, I wasn't on the truck or whatever. And she's like, well, do you want to like the, like, whatever? She's trying to bring her in. And she's like, okay, cool, that's fine. So we have all this. And then, again, I think you see some of the, um, oh, because one of the big things you see, again, this plot's very loose, y'all, because it kind of is. You see that the the young men with Mitch and all them, they run to this car where one of their friends has it. But then you see, like, there's this truck that comes around the corner. Exactly. And it comes back. (laughs) And then you see all that. And then they're having to, like, dart out, right? So, in the meantime, I think, um, because I think this all happens, I think this actually happens. So then, all right, so they're driving, driving, and they're trying to out chase, you know, they're trying to outrun them. They get to... They get to Carl's house. Yeah. And Carl Carl and Mitch, Mitch, like, run up to the door, but they're caught by a banyan, played by Ben Affleck, and he's about to, like, do that. And then the mom of Carl takes her shotgun out. She's like, get off my property. Get off my property. You know, I don't think so, creep. And so, he's just like... And the banyan is... And Carl's just like, Mom! And so they go into the house or whatever, and he's like, all right, all right. He's like, sorry, and then they they stick their heads out, Uh and the minion sees him, and he's like, that's it. That's it, you little fucks. I got you. Right, so then you have all that. Um, So that's kind of the end of this part with Mitch and his friends. Then we move into the girls. So the girls are being led kind of by Darla, I guess, played by Parker Posey. And so they're doing She's this. Definitely the HBIC. Yes, obviously. And she is very much doing this air raid thing, which I'm assuming is from the 50s. Um, I'm not from this time, so I don't know. And yeah. neither did our mom know, I think, either. So, but they're doing this air raid thing. If you don't already know, back when, you know, we thought Russia was going to bomb us, we had to do a little. I think there was an episode of Boy Meets World that had this. That? They kind of did it a little so. bit. But anyway, uh, they have to like dive under stuff or whatever. So air raid comes from like if you hear the air raid siren, you have to like duck and cover. So this is what these girls are doing. Like, you know, they're ducking covering or whatever with like these and pacifiers. They're pouring ketchup. They're pouring ketchup and mustard, oats. Oats. 
eggs, all this flour. shit, flour. So that's what they're doing. And this is why can't we be friends comes on yeah. while they're doing all this. Um, Cause Darla's just being a bitch. She's just like saying, you know, that was pathetic. Get up. That means get up. You little freshman bitches, get up. <laughs> and she's like, uh, you little freshman slut. So it's very much like using bitch slut, these different yeah. types of things that are very much not what men would do necessarily. And so then, you know, they're covering them all with this and then making them have to... They put them on dog leashes. Because, again, women are dogs, apparently, if they're ugly. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, great. So this is just, like, reiterating that, like, we want to, like, break you down, do all this, right. whatever, whatever. And then they have them go up to these people and propose to them. Yeah. Now you see two different parts of it. And I actually kind of like the one thing. So... The one nice young girl, she gets put, she's to propose to Mr. Dawson. And yeah, he's dirty. Oh, yeah. Because the one girl, I don't even know if it was a main character of it. I don't know who it was, but she's like, I want you to propose to Mr. Dawson. And, you know, she gets her knee. She's like, will you marry me? He's like, don't know what's in it for me. And then she's like, well, whatever you want. And he says, go like this. And she has to open her mouth or whatever. <laughs> and he says, do you spit or swallow? And she's like, whatever you want. Let me tell you. <sighs> That went over my head as a kid. Yes, because... I did not know that. I know. And then... But what I do like, though, so, like, this whole thing happened, and it's so cringy. And then he's like, of course I'll marry you. It's like, oh, God. No, it's so cringy because you know that, like, the actress playing the little extra actress, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you're being told something that you don't know what it is, but, like, you have to... Oh, God. It's so cringy. Yeah. And I do like how the girl, you know, when she... After he's been an asshole to her, she says... You're an asshole. Like, she's kind of thinking, like, this isn't fun to do anyway. So, like, you're just making it worse. And he is, of course, like, yes, I am. Aha. Or whatever. But I do like how the girl did stick up for her a little bit. She says under her breath to Dawn, like, you're an asshole. Yeah. Like, I at least am like, you know what? That's nice of her to do because don't be talking to a 13-year-old about this when she might not even know what any of this shit is. Ugh disgusting that's the thing about this movie is it's just some of the misogyny that's in it a little bit and but then sabrina does it to tony to tony because jody's nice and she doesn't really want to do any of this shit but she's just like having to pretend to be a bitch but she does it to tony and it's really nice and you see them kind of spark up a little yeah he's completely different he's completely different he's really nice of course he's like what's in it for me and then she was like what am i supposed to say anything you want and he's like, no, really. He's like, what's your name? Like, yeah. How you doing? Like, he's. I also like him and um, Mike's conversation of like, you know, I can't believe that like the community's like, you know, they're they're doing all this, like they're selling refreshments, all this kind of stuff. Because like Adam uh, <laughs> Goldberg, Adam Goldberg is interesting because I think he's a Jewish dude. I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Um, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just funny how like he's playing this sort of neurotic character. Yeah. He's a neurotic, misanthropic character or whatever, which he, he says. But it's just funny because I'm just like, it's just, he's like, the way he talks is really funny. Because he's obviously from New York or something like that. Like, and we're supposed to pretend like he's in Texas, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, so it's just really funny to me. I just think it's hilarious. But anyway, so they talk about that. But they, you know, we were saying, like, they have that nice little bit of, like, and this is, like, their little spark with, you know, Sabrina and Tony. But we don't really find out more about that until a bit later. But we have that all kind of going on. So once we finished all this, and Darla's like, all right, I'm just, like, tired, and I'm sick of looking at you, so, you know, get in the truck or whatever. And she's like, wipe that face off your head, bitch. 
which apparently came from like uh, she apparently uh, Parker Posey had been in a play in college or whatever and she did this play that was a line in there but it was just a really bad translation from German mm-hmm. so she was like can I use this I think it's funny and he's like yeah like the director's like yeah, yeah. sure and then, um, is this where they take him to the car wash the car wash which probably would like, hurt who's him down? yeah I know with all that stuff with all that stuff and then also just like a car wash fucking like going through that that was not safe y'all but anyway whatever but um, they're trying to figure out how to get all the stuff off of them. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, they're trying to figure out how to get all the stuff off them. Then we are seeing the gentlemen, the jocks, I guess. They're at the drive-in, I think, and we see that Melvin is his name, played by Jason O. Smith, the token black gentleman of this movie. They're there, and he actually picked up because we see that Pink had thrown the pledge some other place. Uh, yeah, while they were together, yeah. but he picked it up and he brought it back to them. This guy's like, "Get it away from!" Me. He's like, "Get it away from me!" Like, is there anything else you need to tell me? So, as the day fades into night, Mitch Kramer he escapes the initial stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And so, day's kind of going into night and everything because this is where we're kind of going into the night of the time. Right, the night after school. Right, the night after the last day of school. So then we are we also get introduced to like some of these people's nights routines because we were also getting like oh we were getting the whole thing of like the girls getting after they were at the car wash they're being dropped off at their respective yeah, homes. Yeah, Jody invites her, and Jody invites Christina, uh, uh, Sabrina. Um, she invites her out or whatever. She's like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll pick you up at eight or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then we kind of see everybody's like little bit of like routines where they're doing of like. That was where we see the girl, like, zip up her pants while laying down, and, like... Oh, but also, we kind of... We, we, we backtracked. I think we missed over something. The... Yeah. Pinkford. Oh, Pickford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that happens, too. So, somewhere in... So, somewhere after the, um... We'll say it's the hazing. We'll say it's the, the hazing, hazing, I think. After, after... That's actually pretty good. Yeah, I just completely forgot um, about we that. See that's that actually a, kind of a big part of the It is. The so, Pink and... Uh, Slater go to Pickford's house where we see and they're his... all hanging out at Pickford's yes. room. Yes, and we we see that their parents, his parents, are about to go out of town, which is why they're going to have the party. Or whatever. Yeah, they're packed up to go on a weekend. Exactly. Trip. So then they go upstairs and they're like doing some reefer or whatever. And then and he's got the door locked with a screwdriver. He's got the door locked with a screwdriver, which I'm like, so okay, funny, whatever. But anyway, so then we have. We should ask mom if people did that. Like, I don't know, like- actually. <laughs> I don't know, man. But anyway, so we have that, like, um, because the, the mindset was everybody's like, there's a party tonight at Pickford, right? Everyone's knowing about. So everybody's it. knowing that, like, the after school party, or yes. you know, the school's out. You know, first party of the summer is at Pickford's because his parents are going. Exactly, that was the whole mindset. Everybody was going to go there and party it up. Right, but then what happens is that the guy who's bringing the kegs comes a little too early, and they find out that like oh, his hey, parents are still guy. there because they're literally packing up to go. Right, away. and he's like, oh, you need to come down. They're and like, do this. you need to come down, and they're like trying mm-hmm. to like light the incense and like trying to like right. They're trying to hide the the, the smell the, of weed. The door. And then that's where he takes the screwdriver out. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, okay. Yeah. So he says, like, you and know. And he's like, I think you need to come downstairs. And it's really funny because, like. His dad so, in his leisure suit. Yeah, in his leisure suit. And being that he's probably, Which like. He's very of times of the 70s. Very much so. But anyway, so. And you could tell that, like, 
Pickford's like this like really kind of free you know stoner dude yeah his father is complete opposite yeah so very much like this kind of probably army vet or like yeah. some shit or whatever and so very much like that it was two different worlds yeah but anyway so then he goes downstairs and he talks to Kevin goes downstairs and talks to the guy in the beer truck yeah he's like I think you're a little early I think you have the wrong address and he was like look I'm trying to have a date tonight and, and he's like whatever like, you have the wrong address, address right and he's like oh yeah no i'm sorry you know all this and so kevin picker thinks he's like being slick but he's he's not because his parents are like yeah start unpacking we're not going anywhere tonight although i was watching that i was like i'd be pissed if i was the wife i'd be like god dang it i want to go out i want to go i don't care if our son's gonna party like what the hell i want to get away from these they start unpacking they start unpacking so that all happens there is no party at those there's no party at pickford's so that then that has to be made aware that and i think that's where we get into the the guys at the drive-in or whatever yeah so that all happens yeah you're right and then we hear the whole like you just know, that's kind of how it was supposed to start like everyone's mm-hmm. like hey there's a party at Pickford's and then yeah. they have to kind of rearrange their night so we have that we also have we see Sabrina getting picked up by Jody and the girls mm-hmm. we see Darla Siobhan and I think Kay or whatever all together and they're all talking they're all like you know no I think it was Simone oh it was Simone yeah you're right okay you're right it was Simone, Simone Siobhan, Siobhan and, and Darla, Darla. They're all in the truck, and she's just like, "What does she say about me? Like, what does she she's say?" Like, she called you a whore and you a slut. slut. Like, she called me a slut. Oh my god, I'm gonna kick her ass! I thought you were gonna get mad. I'm not mad. I think it's so funny. It's so stupid. I also like that Darla has like her little truck. I'm just like, okay, whatever. But her beetle, uh, Joe. I don't know. If it's Jody's beetle. I think yeah. Jody's beetle is everything. I love her. But anyway, so we have that. And it's just like showing them kind of cruising around like Austin, Texas or whatever. We see And again, Wooder. it's very of the 70s. It's very of the 70s. We also see Wooderson in his first like shot where he's driving into the Top Notch Burger. Mm-hmm. So that's Matthew McConaughey. But anyway, so we see that and you know they're kind of opening for business or whatever. But then we get into the baseball scene where we see, okay, Mitch is pitching for this baseball team and all this. And then who comes to the baseball team? game but these senior guys so you have uh abanion benny um i think melvin who is uh, jason no smith and then i think it's somebody else i think don's there too and then pink pink is there but he doesn't come with them though but anyway so he kind of does and then he ends up going somewhere else but you know he's still at the game so we see that, like, you know, Mitch is kind of nervous and he's like trying to like do this stuff so he can like get these people strike out, the guy, strike the yeah. guy out or whatever. And so we have this whole kind of like um, scene where it's like very like slow motion yeah. and he's like throwing this pitch or whatever. <laughs> and then he ends up like, I think they end up losing, I guess. I don't actually know. Or he strikes the guy out or whatever. Or I think they win. I don't know. I think they win or whatever. And then I like they the whole. They win or lose. I don't know. They win or lose. And it's like the they do the good game, good game stuff or whatever. Which, by the way, uh, Wiley Wiggins was so unathletic. So much so. And apparently he lied. And apparently he lied of like, oh yeah, I could do this. And then they were like, we're just going to get a stunt double to actually actually do the, the throw or whatever. Yeah. All you have to do is do this. Because yeah. he was so unathletic. and yeah. Which is fine. But anyway, so there's well, that. to him. He's like, I want, I want this. I want this. I want, I want this, this role. role. So yeah. like, whatever. And then it ended up being like, he couldn't even catch a ball from like three feet away. Which I was just yeah. like, okay, dude. But anyway, it's it's fair. So we have that whole thing, but then we see that the senior boys are pretty much staking him out, yep. and so 
in the meantime, we also see Pink, who has been at the, the game. He then is leaving, and he gets accosted by these two old people. And the one is like... Because you're seeing that, like, Pink is probably so bored with the idea that he's this, like... He's the star quarterback, he's doing all this, which is funny to me, because I'm just like, what the hell? Like, he's this, like, scrawny... Not scrawny, but he's, like, lanky, and, yeah. like, like he's a he's a quarterback? Okay, cool, I guess. But you, you just see he's kind of bored with it all. Like, these old people, this old guy's talking to him, like, he gives a shit... And whatever. He's like, well, he's nice. He says, he's like, well, it was nice meeting you folks, da da da. But he's just so bored with it all and whatever. So you see him walking. But in the meantime, you also see that Mitch has been taken by the men, the the senior dudes. They have started to. They've started to paddle him to No More Mr. Nice Guy. Yep. Which is Alice Cooper classic. Another Alice Cooper classic. And also was parodied on Family Guy and has been parodied other ways. But. There's this, and apparently also there was some weird guy who apparently really got off on this and, like, sent Wiley Wigan, like, fan mail or something like that. I don't know. Oh, that's disturbing. It is really disturbing. I, I, but he's also 16, so that's illegal, so ew. Like, I understand that there's, like, paddling and spanking fetishes, being a gay, obviously, but, like, no, people have to be of age, though. That's yeah. just weird. Anyway. But you see this, and in the meantime, you also see Pink kind of walking, doing whatever. And he then comes across this, and so Banyan's just, like, fucking hyped. He's just, like, he's wants to more, keep... Yeah. But he's, like, and like no... Tell Pink to get a lick. And yeah, he tells him to get a lick. He acts like he's gonna wind it up and do it, but he really doesn't. He really doesn't He do just kind of hits him very... Like, love taps. Love tap, exactly. Yeah. So there's that, and then we also have... Because he's really not all about getting these... He's not. And also, too, I think Melvin also helped with that a little bit, too. Because I think Melvin was kind of like, all right, dudes, like, we did this, like, let's let's lay off the kid. Like, and his know, thing was called the soul pole. The soul pole, I love that. What was uh, Banyan's? Fuck you. Fuck you, or something like that. It was so F-A-N-H, good. and then the space Q. And that went in my head for a long time, and then I finally realized that it yeah, meant fuck for you. fuck you. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love Soul Pole. It's so funny. And I think Benny said something, but I just can't remember. I don't remember. His whole thing was the whole thing. But anyway, so there was that. Um, I just know he wasn't wearing his goggles. He wasn't wearing his goggles. But yeah, so then... And it, it's nice. Like, I like Melvin because, like, he was even, like, really nice. He's like, oh, it's a bummer up pick for his party, blah, blah, blah. And he even says to Mitch, he's just like, hey, boy, take care of that butt. Like, yeah. it's just but funny. Like, he's just like, I don't want to, like, have to... He understands it, yeah. so. So then Pink is all like do you need a ride? Like, what's what's going on? Yeah. And he's like, you know, yeah, I do. I think they left me. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're then back in the car with Pink and Mitch. This is where I think we're supposed to infer that, not even just from their conversation, but we're supposed to infer that pretty much Pink was Mitch at one point, pretty much. Yeah. Because they do talk about how, like, oh, how bad did they get you when you were a freshman? Like, oh, they waited for me at practice. Uh, and then they got me after that, and whatever. You know, it's not too bad because after so the it first, was vicious. it was vicious. But it's not that bad after the first few licks, and then you know, it's Nothing nice. Beers. They'll yeah. get you some beers, like they'll bust you, but they'll like get you drunk or whatever, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, but in this case, I think we're supposed to assume that like at one point, Pink was like Mitch, pretty yeah. much, and which is this whole story is partly Pink's kind of coming of what he wants, but then it's also Mitch's kind of coming of age sort of thing. Mm -hmm. 
So they get like, uh, so he drops him off at Jody's house, mm-hmm. which that's a whole other thing. There was actually stuff cut out of this scene where they talk about like, you know, whatever. But also there's a part of the deleted scene where Pink asks Mitch, is your sister going to be home tonight? Which is kind of funny, which we'll get into later. But anyway, so we see that. And so he drops him off at, at his house. It says, hey, like, you know, since there's not going to be a party tonight, I'll probably just cruise on with the guys. You want us to come pick you up? And be like, do you think it'll be okay? And be like, oh, well, yeah, no, man, you're, you're good. Like, the other guys will give you some time beforehand. It'd actually be a really cool thing to set, to do because, you know, it'll show that they're not, like, scared of him or whatever. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Hey, thanks for the ride, man. Like, it's really nice. So he gets all ready and he, like, you know, um, this is, I think, where we all come to, like, the everyone's doing their own little night routine things or whatever. Yeah. Like, we see, like, the geeks all in the car together. We see everybody in their own but, respective Oh, there, there was a part where these, like, stoners go to Pickford's house because they were yes, not made aware. They were not made aware. And then so they open the door and it's, like, They, like, knock. Parents. They're, like, yeah, let us in. I think they even, like, actually try to open the door. Yeah, and then they're just, like, oh, no, no. And then they run away, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, and there also is a little bit later in there, the geeks don't the geeks know do either. Yeah. And so they go there. And then um, Mike's just, like, nope. I think as part of this too, we also get not everybody got the memo that Pickford's party was exactly. There is like the um, so we see that Wooderson and Pink pick up Mitch and they take him, and this is where uh, Wooderson's like, "Hey man, hey you got a joint?" And he's like, "No, not on me, man." He's like, "It'd be a lot cooler if you did." (laughs) And it's just so funny. He's hilarious. I love him. Uh, The geeks also are like riding around in Cynthia's car, her boat. And so, like, this is where I love the line. So it's, you know, Mike is talking about what he wants to do with his life. He's like, oh, you know, I wanted to be an ACLU lawyer and blah, 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 whatever, whatever. I was at the post office the other day and people were looking really pathetic and all this kind of stuff. And be like, I don't think I really want to, like, I don't think I like people, period. Like, I just want to be honest about being a misanthrope or whatever. He's like, well, if you don't want to do that, like, and then Tony's all like, you know, well, if you don't want to do that, then what do you want to do then? And then (laughs) Mike's just like, I want to dance. So then we see that Wooderson and Pink and Mitch, they all go to this local pool hall called the Emporium, where they just play pool and they, like, uh, play, like, video games. Or, uh, uh, arcade games. Yeah. Like, there's that pool, and pin, pool, pinball, pinball and all that stuff. Um, foosball. Foosball, all that kind of shit. Um, so then as the night progresses, it really is just, like, these students, like, listening to music. They're cruising the neighborhood. They go to the Top Notch, which is the local little restaurant. Um, and so at the Emporium, we are introduced to Mitch meeting Julie, who's played by um, Catherine Morris, I believe her name is. And she's a sophomore girl. And he's like, hey, like, what grade is she in? And he, like, he asks Pink or something. Oh, she's a sophomore. Like, do you like her? Like, do you want me to help you out with it or whatever? And so that's nice. Also, I think because this is such a story goes, there's just a lot of stuff going on around this part or like a little bit before this part was um, the junior high. Oh, yes. Yes, you're right. So there is a part in here where it might be before they go to Wooderson's or maybe after they get picked up and they go to the Emporium. But there is just um, Carl, Carl Hirschfelder and and their other friend, which I can't remember his name. It's horrible. Oh, I don't know. Some guy, Tommy or something. Yeah, Tommy. They're all at the junior high. Right. And that's where Love Hurts is, which is fun. And so we see that Hirschfelder Hirschfelder is like, 
macking on a girl and like, like making out. I had my hand up her shirt. I had my hand up her shirt. And so they all kind of leave because they're just like, this is boring. So I like, gotta go, yeah. And so the guy who's like a chaperone, he's like, hey, if you leave, you can't come back in. And be like, oh, no, we can't come back in. What do we do? Oh, fuck you, whatever. Right. But then they're walking, mm-hmm. like, down, you know, like, the dark road. Well, I mean, it's dark in the sense where it's, like, lit up, but it's, yeah. it's dark out. Unfortunately, there's some people behind them. Yeah, so that happens. Hirschfelder, they all, they all, they all scatter. scatter away. But right, because they they're leaving. Hirschfelder and they... They hit him against him. the fence, and they get they get him good. Yeah, they get him good. They get then, him good. And then they start talking about it at the Emporium. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. So that it's all happens so before yeah. that. So it's probably after Wooderson picks him up, and then we kind of see that Because Mitch well. is with them, yeah. Because Mitch is with them. So, yeah, but we see that junior high dance and all that. And they're talking about how, like, oh, you didn't know she stuffs her bra, blah, 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 or whatever. And so Hirschfeller gets busted. Then we see the Jody and her friends come up and be like, hey, leave the kid alone, whatever. Yeah. They throw him a beer. They throw him a beer and they throw they give these girls beers or whatever, which is not good. Like, you should not give a girl who's driving a beer. Yeah. It's not good. But anyway. But, yeah. And then somebody drives by and she's like, hey, fuck her, I did. Like, Eat me. So they're all at least friends. And they're all, like, you know, standing up for each other. But there's that. Hirschfelder then gets back with his friends because he's, like, walking with them. And they're talking about, like, you know, I heard O'Banion, like, like drove his uh, truck over some pizzas and made these freshmen eat it or whatever. Uh, but they're all, like, sharing the beer, too, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Which is something you do. And so they, like, throw the beer and they, like, which I have done that before. And it's so bad. Do not throw a glass bottle just randomly it'll come back down to do that i'm so glad nobody got hurt i was also in a different country when it happened too so well that in the cars well also that in cars it was like one in the morning when this happened to me but yeah don't do that it's really bad and you can hurt somebody little fun fact i will say this too and mom you may be listening to this and i don't really care so i'm an adult I distinctly remember my first time ever drinking was with this nice young lady here because our mother went away uh, to Florida one uh, Christmas, literally, actually. We have family down there. And because uh, <laughs> this is one of the things like, oh, when was the first time you did like drink or when was the first time you like smoked pot or whatever? All this kind of stuff. If you've done that. Or, like, when was the first time you kissed somebody or like lost your virginity or whatever the fuck? Because there was actually a subplot out of this where... There was the girls, like, at the Emporium. But apparently there was another girl who apparently lost her virginity and she talks to them about it or whatever. So that's kind of fun. But anyway, uh, it was cut out, though. Anyway, back to my story. So, like, yeah, I remember specifically I was 17 and it was... I was a senior in high school and my, my sister here was dating someone different and they were having a little party at our home when they weren't supposed to be, I don't think, maybe, I don't know. Our mom's pretty cool. But anyway, so she was doing that. We were all underage, though, by this point. I think maybe there were some people who were of age, but, like, a lot of us were underage, though. And so, yeah, I remember my my little bit of drinking I did, and I drank uh, Jägermoms. That was, like, my first thing I did. My first time drinking, I was, like, 14. I know. And there were photos of it on MySpace because it was a different time. Okay, listen. <laughs> I remember that. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm, dude. I'm just telling you, man. Like Shame, shame. Shame, shame, shame. I was a good girl, and I didn't have sex until I was, like, literally 18. So, whatever. But it's fine. But, um, 
Yeah. You were a little different, but it's all good. That's anyway. Right. But that's what this movie's about. It's about, like, coming of age, and it's about, like, when you did the stupid shit that yeah. you did. Because, you know, anyway, so back to this. So they have that, and then they go to the Emporium, like you were saying. And we see that, like, they go in the Emporium. They're all in there, and da-da-da. Then we also see some stuff where... I think we see the geeks, they kind of like uh, go to the party and then they don't go, it ends up not being a party and they're talking a little bit. But then, because they don't actually go to the Emporium, they go to Top Notch later. But we do see the girls, uh, so Jody and her friends and Sabrina, they're all like, they're all just like uh, taking the tops off of um, beer yeah. cans and they're just like kind of doing this or whatever, um, flicking them and trying to do whatever. But this is where we get this after Hirschfelder's been uh, busted because. They're all there. And then Mitch is there. He comes out of the Emporium and he sees Sabrina. He's like, oh, hey, I know you. And they start talking a little bit. But yeah, so Sabrina says, yeah, they just got Hirschfelder too. They got him bad, all this. Like, oh, I hate that jerk. And so this is the fun where like apparently there's a drinking game with this where you just drink every time Wiley Wiggins just touches his face. Oh, he like touches his nose. I oh think my, it's like thirteen so times. Many times, and so you'll be dead by the time you're done. Yeah. So you'll just be wasted. Like, God, I hate that guy. He keeps doing that. I'm oh like, God, doing he, does he, it he does it several times throughout the movie. So there's that. Just that was really fun. And so yeah, so we have that going on. But we do but see. In the that, meantime, I think that you have cars coming and going, and I think you have like a toke ride. For yes. Like one of the I think like Pickford. Yeah, it's Pink Pickford Dawn. This is where they have him drink for the first time, and they also, um, he smokes marijuana for the first time, Mitch does. Yeah, and then they go and... Oh, and they also, so they're doing this thing. They're taking the trash cans. They're taking the trash cans, they're playing mailbox baseball. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is so rude because and they're bowling ball. and a bowling ball because he's like, whose bowling ball is this? It's yours now. So they're like doing this and they're like throwing these trash cans at these mailboxes and all this. And then they take the bowling ball out of the back seat where Mitch is and he throws it and he knocks away his windshield out. And in the meantime, while they're driving, oh, we need more beer. Oh, we need more beer. Which again, this is like so infuriating because like... The one thing with tampering with mailboxes, but bitch, like, that is somebody's car. They have to go get, like, a new windshield now. Right. But when you're a teenager, you don't think about you're that just stuff. Like, whatever. That's why I think yeah. this movie works with teens really well, because they're just like, oh my God, these are the stupid things we've done, and these are the stupid things you do when you're a teenager or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they say, oh, we have to get more beer. So they go to this place, and Don's like, you know, I'm going to pay for the beer. Like, I just needed, like, distraction or whatever. So, like, Mitch is outside the place waiting for him to come in and whatever. And then we see that there's this car that pulls up and they go back in the car or whatever. But there's this guy who's like brandishing a gun and he's like, uh, he's called the police. He's like, you know, tampering with mail is a federal offense. Da, 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 da. So he's just like pointing his gun at these boys and they're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, they're like scared children. I would be too. I'd be like, what oh, the yeah. fuck are you doing? So then um, they end up escaping. Just drive. Yeah. Just drive. So like, like put his car Don away. puts his car into gear and then like Pickford just like guns it. And so they're driving, but then the guy's, like, shooting at them, which is crazy. And then you're just like, holy fucking shit. But anyway, so that's when they come back to the Emporium. Oh, this is where Melvin says, hey, go get me one of these or whatever, because the drinking age was 18 at this time. So some of these people could actually drink. And so he, like, goes over and does this. 
um, which I think this scene's kind of fun because he goes over to this liquor place. He gets like a sixer or whatever. I and- like it, but I, here's another funny thing I thought is when he goes into the liquor store, or the convenience store, or wherever it is, he, goes, he buys it. And he was like, and be sure to eat a green thing every day. Eat a green thing. He's talking about, he's talking to this, this pregnant, you know, teen Woman, or yeah. young, young adult. And she's like very visibly pregnant, probably about the burr. She's yeah, about just like smoking. Pregnant. She's smoking. And then you can see she's got like wine or she's got I like a 40 it. or she's got some type of, it's like a brown paper bag. She's clearly got like something to drink. I'm like, oh, this is nice. It's so funny. I love that too. Yeah. And then, so he goes up to this guy, this clerk or whatever. And he, and how um, this clerk thought he was 18 is beyond me. I know because he's like, but he's he, like, you're 18, Oh, right? because, uh, beforehand when they have the whole scene of like, they have Wooderson and like, um, other people are meeting him or whatever. And that's when he has this whole thing where he says like, um, so, you know, you're a freshman, right? Like yeah. what's about these, this is the, one of the best, I mean... It is I know an iconic is like, line. It's a very iconic line, and I know, kind of looking back on it, it's... It's creepy. It's creepy, and it's, like, misogynist, like... Yeah. Like, the way he does it, but I'm sorry, it's an iconic scene. And where he says, like, and you know... it's an iconic quote. I yeah, it's that. an iconic quote, and he's all like, that's what I like about these high school... Because even, like, Because he's like, Don, what's the freshman crop looking like this year? And then Don's like, you're gonna go to jail soon. Yeah. And then he's just like, that's what I like about these high school girls, man. I stay get older, they stay the same age. Yes, they do. And it's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. But it's like, he's not wrong, but at the same time, it's like, ew. Ew, stop. gross, gross, gross. Also, that's the same place where you see Renee Zellweger walk by, but yeah. you don't actually know it's her. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. Anyway, so then Mitch goes over and gets the beer or whatever. And the fact that this guy even thought he was 18, but the reason was because uh, Wooderson's talking about how, like, I might go back to college, I might go to junior college, but maybe I'll just keep working for the city, keep a little change in my pocket, and which is literally what Mitch what says Mitch to says the to guy. Because yeah. um, he doesn't he's know. He's a 14-year-old. Right. Like, he doesn't know anything. And then this guy just, like, sells him the beer, and they're just like, okay. So before he goes back, he sees his friends. Because, you know, he got busted. You know, yeah. Hirschfelder got busted or whatever. And so oh, they're yeah, like, yeah, they there. they're like, they see him there and be like, oh, you're over at the Emporium? Like, that's cool. And then, you know, Mitch is like, you owe me one, man. Like, you left me. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then they're like, is O'Banion over there? And be like, yes. Like, I hate that jerk. Yeah. Hey, do you guys want to get him back? Yeah, I hate that jerk. I hate that joke, like, you know, whatever. Uh, and touch so, his touch his nose. And so, we have that. And so, like, what ends up happening is uh, he goes over, he gives Melvin his, his sixer or whatever, and he takes one. And then they're like, okay, but this is where Mitch is plotting. Yeah. So, he sees O'Banion is, like, you know, playing pool with somebody. He ropes in his crush, Julie, because mm-hmm. he's like, hey, can you do me a favor? And she's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, cause, and I think even Don says something. He says, like, you know, that Julie girl, like, loves you. He's like, she likes you. I mean, she likes you, but you gotta play a little hard to get. Like, yeah. you know, if she offers you a ride, say, like, you know, I, He's like, I'll, maybe. Find, I'll think I'll, about it. I'll think about it, right. So then he, he ropes his, his crush in and he says, like, hey, can you do this for me? So the whole thing that they do is that, Mitch has made it where Julie says something about Carl Burnett getting busted. Yeah. And so they do the stage's whole elaborate thing. She walks by O'Banion, specifically. And O'Banion's ears pop up. Like a he pops puppy. up and he's just like, oh, wait, what are you talking about? And be like, oh, just I heard he's getting busted, whatever. So then he's like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to get my shit together. I'm going to go out and I'm going to, like, yeah. fuck that little fucker up. And so he, like, goes over across the road uh, from the Emporium at this, like, little garage or whatever where Carl is, like, up against the wall 
And he's like, okay, let me do this. Like, and he says, like, did you hear this little fuck's uh, mom, like, pull a gun on me today? Blah, blah, blah. This motherfucker. This motherfucker. Da, 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 da. Apparently, they wanted to, he wanted to use cocksucker. He wanted to use cocksucker, and but he couldn't. This was in this, this documentary, and then the, one of the guys was like, you can't say that. And I'm like, and motherfucker's better. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, who cares? But anyway, so, different time. Uh, and movies and all that stuff. But anyway, so, yeah, you have that. And then you see that, like, he's about to, like, wind up and do this. He's about to, like, bust the hell out of him. And then you see that, like, this little bit of paint has come down from Here's the roof. And so then he's like, hey, remember me, jerk? Wee, wee. Because he said, like, squeal like a pig. And well, he so he yeah. he did that to Hirschfelder. They, they dumped the, dumped like, the paint yeah. on him. And he's just so pissed. Oh, he's so mad. It's so mad because he's been embarrassed by these young freshmen or whatever. And so now his, his masculinity has been compromised and like all this shit and whatever. And so then he goes, he's like just ready to fight anybody at this point. And he goes back to the Emporium. He like almost fights with, um, with Mitch because whatever he doesn't really. And then he gets in his car, his muscle car. He just drives off. And then we kind of don't see him again until the end, like at the party or whatever, I think. We see him a little bit there. But this is like our last little bit of seeing a Banyan. Because he is our main villain of this piece, I guess. Kind of, sort of. So there's that. Who do they just leave in a fit of rage kind of a thing? So because the Emporium has to close at some point, this keg party is being, you know, planned by Wooderson and all this. Don't they go back to the Top Notch Burger? They do go back to Top Notch because they the geeks have been talking a little bit and they talk about like uh, how, you know, do you ever feel like everything is just like preparation for stuff? Like, be like, yes, but what are we preparing for? And be like, death. And, and then uh, like Tony says, life of the party. And then uh, Cynthia's all like, you know, that's valid though because like if, if we're supposed to be living, you know, for this, I would like to stop thinking of the present as some preamble to something else or whatever. It's real deep. I thought that was just so deep when I was like 15 when I watched this. But anyway, so, (laughs) right. But they decide, like, you have to get a little bit of, like, experience. So they, like, they say, we need some alcohol. Well, that's a thought, you know. So that's when they go to Top Notch Burger, right? Mm -hmm. And they, like, Tony says, like. Not for a while. I would like to try Top Notch Burger. I kind of want to as well. Let me be kind of cool. Just to have it and be kind of fun. Anyway, so you have this there at the Top Notch Burger. And then you see that. So the geeks are in their car, and then Wooderson comes up in his car with and Slater. He's like, all right, all right, right, all right. And he's like into Cynthia, and he's like, you know, um, he's like, "There's a party going on. It's at the Moon Tower. You know, all this kind of stuff, <laughs> whatever." And then I love how he's all like, "Do you need a ride?" And she's like, "No, I have my own car." Like, but she's thanks. sitting in a car, dude. She's sitting in a car. Like she doesn't need a ride. Be like, "Well, you should get out and join us." But that's fine. Whatever. I will see you later. And just was like, <laughs> I always thought that was really funny because I was just like, first off, the way he delivers it is really funny. But then also just like. Dude, like, she is in a car. Like, what do you think she's going to do? Just, like, leave her friends and get with you? Right, like, like, no. Oh, let me just get in the car, yeah. I have my own car. Like, we're good. But, um, and then they're all just like, ew, Cynthia, like, what, did you realize, like, he was, like, 20 by the time we were in third grade or whatever? She's like, I thought he was cute. She's, like, picking her little afro hair or whatever. I thought she was so cute. And then be like, oh, God, Cynthia, what were you thinking? And she's like, I don't know. Well, are we still going to go? Yeah, sure, why not? So then this is where we kind of get that whole thing of, like, they get together and they're starting to all head over to the moon tower, um, which is, like, this, like, tower with these lights on it or whatever. 
So after the Emporium closed, they go over here. It's planned under this tower. So they're all kind of arriving separately. You know, we see the kegs getting set up. In the meantime, earlier in the film, we see that Michelle has uh, painted these kiss statues and they're bringing them to the party as well. So they're all kind of there and they're all respectively coming up. So you see Jody and her friends coming. You see like the geeks all coming as well and like whatever. They're all kind of getting together. We then see that, <laughs> so the geeks come up and they arrive and it's Mike who says something of like, oh, hey, someone's token some reefer. And so this guy, Clint, who's this tough dude or whatever, played by mm-hmm. Nikki Cat, is like about to like, he's like getting on like Mike or whatever. Mike's just like this guy who's not even trying to do anything, but he just makes an observation. But like this guy's like kind of a tough machismo guy. So like... Yeah. He's just like, well, what the fuck are you talking about, fucker? You know, and so there's all that. Mike is just seething with like how he feels about this now. Yeah. But then also we see that like Tony runs into Sabrina again, uh, with who he met earlier and all that. I think the Clint guy was like, I'm here. To I'm here to kick ass, uh, drink beer. beer, and I'm almost run out of beer. Yeah. But anyway, so we have that, and everyone's just kind of showing up at the party and everything. Um, so that's all nice and fun. Yeah, different times. And different times. So then you have these different... So like the jocks, for example, they have their own little kind of storyline where Pink comes there. And you also have the stoners there too because this is where Rory They Cochran, still want him to sign the thing. They still want him to sign the thing. But we also have the stoners here who like... They go up to the top of the moon tower and they're like up there with Mitch and everything. But they also have the speech with... Um, Slater, who's like talking about George Washington and how he was like growing weed or whatever, and Martha Washington was a hip hip lady, which is kind of referenced in uh, Can't Hardly Wait a little bit. If you've ever watched that movie, mm-hmm. I think they reference that a little bit, which is kind of funny. But anyway, um, but they talk about that, and then like the stoners go up to the moon tower, like Pink and all them with Mitch go up to the moon tower, and they talk about like, hey, you know, like this has never been like this is dangerous so like you know watch your step junior because they call him junior throughout and so they go up here they watch like the town they're like there's nothing going on in this fucking town you know yeah. whatever you know they're all just kind of up there and then they come all back down uh tony is with cynthia and and mike but mike's like seething from like this guy or whatever right. cynthia is just kind of like hanging around other people and she does the whole thing where like it's like the every other decade theory. Like, you, the 50s were boring. The 60s rocked. The 70s, oh my God, they're obviously like, they suck. Uh, so maybe the 80s will be better. And girl, Cynthia, the 80s are a shit show too. So don't worry. Yeah. Just more cocaine at this point. <laughs> and Ronald Reagan in office. But anyway, so, but Tony and Sabrina are kind of getting together a little bit. There's also a deleted scene as part of this where, like, Darla goes up to her. Yeah, Darla goes up to her. But there's, like, a little deleted scene that happened before that where, like, she's talking about why she was in the truck and, like, how she wanted things in high school to be different. She doesn't say all this. It's in the deleted scene. But, like, that's kind of why it is. Because you see they're kind of getting together and, and getting all that. But then, yes, Darla does come up to her. Before that, though, Darla is in part of the, you know, montage or whatever. And we do see there is an uncredited Renee Zellweger appearance where she's the one who's holding the beer bong for um, for Darla, which yeah. I thought was funny. You see her more head on, I guess. But anyway, so, yeah, Darla comes up to her and she's like, air aid freshman. And she's just like, air aid. And she's like drunk as hell. Yeah. And so Tony's all like, she doesn't have to air aid because she's with me. Like, whatever, whatever. She's like, air aid freshman, five seconds. And she's like, okay, you know what, like, 
you know, I'm going to make your life a living hell. And she's just like, lick me, all of you. She's just, like, drunk. So it's one of those things where it's kind of just... She's such a spirit animal. She is so just, like, wonderful and wonderful. I love her. But she's, like, a deeply flawed person because she's the female villain pretty much but like she's so wonderful and i love her a lot but anyway so but she's drunk and it's showing like this girl who thinks she's something like she's just drunk and she's not actually probably gonna make sabrina's life a living hell like whatever she's just doing that because she gets off on having power yeah kind of a thing so there's that it's also and you were talking about the fight, like, they were talking about fighting at, like, oh, yeah. how... Oh, they were talking about that, you're right. Like, the... Mike was talking about fighting, and he was like, well, usually at these type of parties, he was like, you only gets get one or two up. punches in, and yeah. then it gets broken up, so that yeah. kind of plays back into it. So that kind of plays back into it right around this time, but I think beforehand, we do see that Pink and Benny, they're in a truck together, and they're talking about, like, how, you know, oh, well, you know, we had these good times, and yada yada, be like, I don't want you to leave, Pink. Like, you know, I don't want you to leave the team because this is kind of a big thing of this is like, oh, is he going to leave the team or whatever? Which we end up finding out, yes, he is, I guess. But it's just these other jocks are trying to like, you know, Melvin kind of did it with like getting the pledge to him earlier. Now Benny's all like, like, I don't want you to leave the team, man. Like, you know, whatever. You got to think of us too. And then he's just like, I just wanted to be on my terms though. You yeah. know, whatever. Um, so Benny's not really happy with that either, I don't think. Uh, he confronts him about it. It just, it violates his individuality, his beliefs, and all that stuff. So there's all that. I think this is before the fight, but... This is before the fight. Jody and... Oh, Jody and, uh, so yeah. after Pink leaves Benny, uh, Jody and, uh, Pink, they just, like, go off into the woods and decide to make out even though earlier you obviously simone's there yeah, you're like, that's his girlfriend that's his girlfriend so what are we doing so that's why it's interesting with the little deleted scene of when pink and mitch are in the car together of like yeah. oh is your sister home it's like what were you doing beforehand though? yeah hmm. anyway but there's that implies that maybe they had a little side thing going on exactly exactly and we also note that her outfit is really cute yeah Holy shit. It's not a romper, because I think a romper would be all together. It'd yeah, be one it outfit. Like it, was it was a two-piece. It was, like, this denim top, and then, like, these, uh, whatever, like, the jeans. It was really cute. So then you have that, and then the party's kind of coming down. You know, it's kind of, like, it's starting to... Well, the fight then happens, so Mike is, like, pissed, and he's, like... He, like, does something to Tony, and he's just, like, he's just... Make he's um riling himself up, yeah, and so he goes over and he dumps his beer on the guy Clint, and so that starts that a starts a fight. He gets one punch in. He gets one punch in, and then Clint pretty much kicks his ass. Yeah, which to me is funny because I'm and just it like, like as as they were saying, there's people that break it up. With. It looked like Benny or one of the guys like kind of pushed the people away that were going to try and break it up. Yeah, to, I think like, so. Not break it up right away, and then I believe. Wooderson and Pink. They end up... Um, you can see that he's kind of getting pummeled. He's getting pummeled. Clint, they're the ones who actually break it up. Yeah, they actually come in there. Even though Tony up. is trying to get in there just at least a little bit, what's he going to do? Nothing. Yeah. And even, like, um, Cynthia kind of was like, oh, shit, that's Mike. Like, you know, we got to go. So that all happens, and, you know... He's just kind of crying, I think, afterwards. Yeah, he's just like, what the hell? Yeah. What the hell, man? So the party's starting to die down. He, they have the scene where they're, like, trying to get the 
beer out of the keg. The keg's like mm-hmm. tapped out. So. It's tapped out. It, it's it's time to go home. It's time to go home. This is where Jody is all like, hey, you know, because um, he's going, Mitch is uh, walking away with Julie, and he's all like, hey, little brother, like, you know, I guess I just have to get used to seeing you at the same social functions and blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, don't think that mom won't be waiting up for you later because, you know, I got it bad when I was your age. Yeah. Be like, whatever. And so her and her friend go off to like smoke a joint somewhere or whatever. Yeah. Because then Julie is like, oh, because before that, Pink is all like, hey, like, you should get a ride with Julie and go do whatever. Like, just say we left you. Like, whatever. It'll work. I promise. So it's like, oh, okay. They're they're helping him out. Whatever, whatever. So then you have all this kind of going on. So everyone, and so like, Wooderson gets like Cynthia's number. And then like, you know, uh, Mike has his tail between his legs when he's like walking away. The geeks are all going to go get breakfast. And so they invite Sabrina with them. Pancakes, I think. Pancakes or whatever the hell, right, right. They all kind of go in their separate ways. So we see the geeks go off and we see them kind of go off. And then we see that Sabrina is dropped off at her house and she kisses Tony and they have this kind of like thing going on, which is nice. Even though it's weird because she's like 14 and he's supposed to be like 17. So that's a little weird. They are very sweet, though. And I do like them as a couple. And it's very cute. But then beforehand, so we have all the other friends kind of getting together, and they're like, hey, like, let's go to the 50-yard line. Let's smoke a joint on the 50-yard line. That's what we'll do. And that was Wooderson. Wooderson, Pink, Pink Dawson, Dawson, Siobhan, Siobhan and then Simone. Simone. And Slater. Slater, yeah. So they're all together. They all decide So the other jock guys, they just kind of... They just kind of leave or whatever. They're kind of going their separate ways. And the whole thing, like, there's a thing throughout the whole... Um, <laughs> The whole movie where Slater just keeps wanting to get shotgun, but he doesn't. Yeah. It's really, really funny. He's like, I'm getting shotgun. I'm, I'm getting shotgun. Duh. So as the night turns to dawn, so these six people or whatever, they decide to go smoke, uh, you know, some pot on the 50 yard line or whatever. And there, this is when they have their like little, like, uh, kind of existential type thing going on where they're talking about like, this again, it's kind of the crux of this movie where like Pink is kind of pulled between two worlds. He's pulled between the jock world. He's pulled between the stoners, the, his friends as well. And he's deciding to kind of, you know, be with these guys. And so they all kind of talk about, like, Wooderson talks about, like, how, well, it was like this back when I was, like, younger or whatever. I got told the same stories. I got, you know, the same shit. They've always been trying to, like, keep you down. But, like, you know, all you can do is just keep living L-I-V-I-N or whatever. (laughs) And so, and the more the rules that they, they'll try to keep setting rules for you. So, like, you just got to keep trying to, you know, do what you can or whatever. That's not saying don't follow rules, but like, I'm just saying like, yeah, that is true. Like people will just keep kind of like putting all these like expectations on you. They'll keep putting these different things in front of you. So just try to live your own goddamn life and, you know, have some fun in the meantime. So there's that. And then Don has a fun little line where he's talking about like, you know, cause pink says something about like, if these are like the best years of my life, remind me to kill myself or whatever. He's like, well, I don't think of it that way. I think of it as, like, I was having as much fun as I could in this place. I had as much fun as I could in this place. I had I fucked as many people as I could in this place. <laughs> and I think that can really kind of, you know, I think that can kind of speak to, especially people who maybe are just, like, in their own small towns or whatever. And they end up just, like, staying there. But it's like, well, I want to make the most of it. And I think that's why teens really like this movie, obviously. Because it's like, yeah, I mean, some of you will move out of your town and you'll be able to go somewhere else that 
whatever works for you. But then some people will stick around and that's not bad either. There's plenty of people that do that and then make their own life for themselves. But like, yeah, it's like you're just trying to have as much fun as you can where you're at. It'd be kind of cool, like at the end of it, even though you don't do it, like to see like who would have done what. Yeah. Kind of like Fast Times where yeah. they do a little bit of that at yeah. the end. But yeah. They but, but they didn't. But, uh, you know, just to kind of see what they end up doing and all that kind of stuff. It would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think that's why people, teens really like this movie too, is just like, yeah, it's very much like I'm just trying to have fun while I'm here, while I'm on live and able bodied to do so and all that. And, you know, I'm just trying to have a good time yeah. where I'm at in my small little town I'm in in fucking Texas. And I think that's a sentiment that is kind of universal a lot of the time, too, which is why I think this movie's really timeless. But anyway, in the meantime, the police get called and they call Coach Conrad Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, what were you doing on the 50 yard line? We know what you're doing. They make him get out, you know. They all have to go under the the gate. And of course, they're all skinny enough to just get through there in the 70s. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm like, nobody of thickness could have got through there. No, no, man. Who knows? Jody had a little bit of thickness on her, too. Hell yeah. But anyway, so Coach Conrad is there. It's like dawn. He's like, come to the school. He's like, why am I being like woken up by police? He like lectures him on hanging out with these losers. And he insists that like, you need to sign this pledge. So Pink is like, he might play football, but he's not going to sign this. These losers are some really good people in my life. And he throws the thing at him. He throws the thing at him. And so Dawn is just kind of like, so that's it, I guess. Right. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm quitting before my senior year. Fuck this. Like, I'm not into it anymore. And I'm going to go hang out with my but friends. But y'all can be, still be friends, right? But y'all can still be friends, though. So then uh, Pink leaves with his friends. He leaves with Wooderson, Simone, Slater, not Dawn, I don't no, think. No, Dawn and uh, Chevelle go. Yeah, Dawn and she- um, whatever her name is. Yeah, Siobhan, they, Chevelle. Chevelle. Siobhan. Siobhan. They go away because they date. Uh, and so they all. It's the four of them. It's just the four of them. They are leaving to go get Aerosmith tickets in Houston. Uh, while also before that, we see Mitch coming back home because beforehand Mitch was in like a little uh, field with yeah, Julie yeah. and they were like making out and yeah. stuff. I was like, okay, Julie's kind of cute too. She's got some thickness to her. Like she's cute. So I was like, okay, girl with your little eyeshadow and everything, mm-hmm. you better do they were, it. They were, they, were, they, were, they were having a little make out session mm-hmm. in the field with a blanket. Like, uh-huh. That's right, Mitch. Real cute. I loved it. But Mitch arrives home drunk and his mother is waiting up for him. sister did warn him. That yes. Don't think mom's not going to be waiting for you because she will. Be. Yes, she will. So he's like trying to like. He's like trying to get in there, but he's like, oh no. And then she's like. Right. Hey. You're like, hey, but she decides against punishment. She's like, listen, I hope you had a good time. Right. If you no come in again, yeah. like, we're going to have a different story. Yeah. And she's like, and who's this older girl who gave you a ride? And then Mitch is just like, oh, He's she's all just, yeah. Whatever. And she's like, are you drunk? He's like, no. No, of course not. Um, and so, the iconic slow ride. Yes. Yeah, so he, he puts, puts his, his headphones, headphones on. on. The, going to bed now because he's been up all night. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. However slow rides begin. Yeah. They, and then you just do slow ride. Dude, really, yeah. It's a really cool, uh, to the end of it, like he puts that on to listen to his music after uh-huh. it was like fun, you know, it was kind of a shitty night, but yeah. it turned good. And then he's putting his music on and yeah. then it, it goes into the other scene of, of the guys, the of the people four driving. in the car driving, just yeah. laughing having a good time trying to get airsman tickets yeah and there you go and then uh yeah y'all that's the end of days and confused
So, I mean, you know, needless to say, with this movie, um, I personally really enjoy it. Uh, It's like a five-star film for me. I've said that about a couple of these movies, but it's really because they are. I mean, I have a certain level of nostalgia for this movie. I think it's really fun. and I feel the same way. I could definitely watch this movie like over and over. I don't really get tired of it. No, not really. I have quite a couple movies that are like that, but it definitely Mm -hmm. is one of those movies where I know what happens like the whole way through. I know the line. I mean, maybe not every line, but But it's definitely a fun movie to watch that... Yeah. Again, if you just... Maybe if you're having a shit day, put yeah. this movie on and it'll give you some laughs. Yeah. And it, remar- it reminds you of, like... Good. Yeah. I think also it reminds you of just, like, a different time in the world. Mm-hmm. I feel like most of it is kind of historically accurate of yeah. what was going on at the time a little bit. Not all of it is, but most of it is. And I think it's also just, like... It reminds you of being a teenager. Like, we were talking about earlier, you were talking about your story with, like, tech education. But, like, you know, yeah, it is very much like, you know, being a teen is weird. And people are telling you what to do all the time. Yeah. And, like, you know, you're trying not you're to, like... you're too young to be an adult. You're too you young to be an adult. Like an adult. But you want to act I, like It's one. a weird time. Right, and you're trying Where to, you like... Think it's going to be forever to an adult. I always remember feeling like that when I was younger. I can't wait to be 16. I can't wait to be 18. I can't wait to be 20-something. And I was like, I'm I'm never going to get this age. Like, not right. that I never thought I was going to get to that age, but you just, when you're younger, you just feel like, oh my God, like your birthday, like, you know, it feels so far away. Like, right. when am I going to get to these pivotal ages? I always remember thinking that when I was like eight or nine, like, oh my God, when am I going to be 16? And then the years go by and you turn 16 and you're like, okay. And it's just like the funniest thing. Like, yeah. how I thought that it was going to take. And that, now I'm sitting here 30 some years old, 33 years old. And it's like, wow. It's because I tell you what, once you, like, if you know this or you don't know this, quite honestly, once you, like, pass 25, your years just like, poof. I know. It's like, crazy. I just can't believe he turned. He, my, my, the one who has the podcast, my brother. Jesse is turned thirty this year. Sorry, sorry, throw your age out there. Oh wow, rude! But yeah, it's okay. It. Hey, you're younger than me, so it's okay. <laughs> but he just turned thirty, and it's like wild to me. But I just remember that feeling of like, yeah, being you know young, being a kid, and yeah. and wanting to be these ages of these kids, and then being you know even a, more an adult where I'm at now, and it's like, man, when am I gonna get there? Here I am. Yeah, and then it's one of those weird things too, where it's like, and then you kind of want to go back to yourself. Slow down. Don't want that. Oh, I know, right? Like, you're just like, don't worry about it. Like, oh my God. I like, wish I could take my time back. and A little bit. Yeah. Well, not take time back. I just wish that... I wish you would have... You could know the future and... You, well, I guess you wish you don't want... I don't want to say that, but I should say is... I wish you could just slow it down and not want to wish to be older. Yeah. And really live more in the moment. Um, Especially, you know, once you know people who pass and people who come in and out of your life. Right. And, you know, just to know that, you know, you wish you had more time with you know a certain person or yeah. family or things lives your lives change you move you do this you do that and it's just like you know just to be a kid it's just uh, yeah and being in that high school time where not a yeah. whole lot really you were had to think of a whole lot and, and things change a lot in high school and things change a lot in high school and it's just it's different a, it's a pivotal like time in your life I, I agree so which is why there's all these movies about it yeah. um, because it is a big time in your life and and there's then even looking life changes there's hormones there's all yeah, kinds of stuff that happens there's this pressure of having to be cool and this what is cool even there's this pressure you get to like I know for me at least like when it comes down to it like one of the things I kind of wonder is like well what would have happened if I had come out earlier yeah. right and like 
if I was just doing that. But who's to say what would happen? Yeah. Like, I think I, I came out the right time that I was supposed to. I was an adult by then, technically, and I can make my own decision and, and say, yep, I'm gay. I like men and whatever. And who's to say if I did that before? Like, I was just going to get reamed by it. Like, and people could have really just hurt me or whatever the hell. You know, I didn't want that. So... You know, you just never know, and you just try your best, and we're all just, you know, real-life Sims is crazy. Okay, listen. But, like, you know, it's, uh, we're all just trying to live, and I think that's what the the crux of the story is, in a way. Like, it's just, this is what high school is, kind of, sort of, but not really, but, like, it's still fun, And how it was back then. And how it was back then, and all this, and it's very much Richard Linklater's kind of story, if you will, so, yeah. It's a fun, it's a, it's a fun and silly plot, in a way. Yeah. It's got... Funny quotes. It has quotes. a bunch of crazy celebrity people who weren't a big yet. And it's got, like, <laughs> insane music soundtrack. Exactly. So it's just, it all kind of amalgamates into this one really cool movie that I really like. Yeah. It's currently on Tubi right now if you want to watch it. It was on Prime for a minute. So it was on there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get the Criterion collection of this, too. So you can get it all nice and pretty. But you can also, like I said earlier, you can get this with a double feature with Fast Times at Regimont High, which is what I have, and it's great. But, yeah. I just have the regular DVD. And you have the regular DVD from millions of years ago. Nothing special. But nothing special. But, uh, yeah. It's just the the DVD. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but Sarah, thank you so much for coming to my show again. I really appreciate it. I know you wanted to do this real bad, so I'm glad we got to talk about this wonderful, wonderful movie. And, uh, yeah, I think that's everything I can think of. you have any other parting words? All right, everyone. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com. In case you want to give any movie recommendations, give feedback on the show, or if you just want to say, hey, I'm open to all of it. You can also follow the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram handle is cultcinemacircle, and Twitter handle is cultcinecircle. On those platforms, I tend to announce the different episodes I'm going to be doing. I'll make little Instagram stories when we have an episode drop and just generally interact with anybody on there that wants to interact with me. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, Kremp, K-R-E-M-P, all one word. On there, I log the movies that I watch and write little reviews about them and just general foolishness over there. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm pretty much out there everywhere. Be sure to leave five stars and a one to two sentence review so we can grow the audience more and also just spread the love all around. Be sure to tune in next week to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast where I'll be covering 1995's Clueless. Cher, a high school student in Beverly Hills, must survive the ups and downs of adolescent life. Her external demeanor at first seems superficial, but rather it hides her wit, charm, and intelligence, which helps her to deal with relationships, friends, family, school, and the all-important teenage social life. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, and remember, you just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Take care. Bye.